And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This Monday, today is December 18th, 2017, Joe Hagman here, along with my co-host Doug Hagman, who will be uh, joining us momentarily. He's in the office handling another matter of business. But we got a great show to get into today. Uh, so happy to be here this one week before Christmas. And there, I didn't meet my computer. But no, one week before Christmas, and it is amazing how fast time flies. Uh, we have a little bit of a schedule change. We were planning on having Paul McGuire on for two hours today, and we uh, switched it up a little bit. He's going to be coming on in the first hour, 7 to 8, and we're going to talk about his upcoming book that he co-wrote with Troy Anderson, Trumpocalypse, End Times President, A Battle Against the Global Elite, and a Countdown to Armageddon. This book will be out in January of 2018, and I have not read it yet, just skimmed through it, but it seems like it's a fascinating book, and we're going to talk with Paul about uh, his book and the deep state battle that Trump is engaged in as we see, uh, you know, he's constantly targeted by the politicians, by the establishment, by the media, on and on and on. I mean, it's a, a never ending battle. <clears throat> so looking forward to that. And then we have coming on after that, Randall Terry. Many of you know Randall Terry. We're going to talk about radical Islamic terror in Islam. And then John Ramirez. He He's a former Satanist and author of Armed and Dangerous. We're going to talk with him in hour number three. So while we wait to get Paul on, we're going to get into the news. First, there was a horrible Amtrak accident in Tacoma, Washington, leaving six dead and over 77 injured as Amtrak train derailment. Uh, this is a, a very interesting story. There's a lot of uh, fascinating pieces of information about this. It is being reported that there was an object on the tracks, which apparently is what caused it, the, the train to derail. Now, we have reports from um, Mike Cernovich on Twitter, who has pointed out that Antifa, an anarchist, bragged about sabotaging the tracks, pouring cement on them, or doing other things <clears throat> in regard to stopping uh, the trains that were helping uh, the fracking. So it appears that that was kind of a, an environmental thing. It wasn't the sabotage of the trains just to do it. Now, we also have Al-Qaeda, and we have seen this uh, article flashback. Al-Qaeda threatened, and i got to get rid of the pop-up here. Al-Qaeda targets D.C. to Boston line, hazmat cargo trains, uh, derailment guide. Now, this is from PJ Media. The latest issue of Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula's English-language Inspire magazine Names Amtrak, DC to Boston, Express, and several other specific passenger rail lines in targets for their new focus on train derailment operations. That the group says has been more than a year in the planning stages. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to read the rest of the article. It goes on to detail the threats of uh, ISIS and Islam that they've made with, in regards to the holidays as well as uh, the threats to critical infrastructure. 
from the power grid to transportation. And this is just another example of, you know, uh, what we see them put them putting out with their plans, uh, their plans of destruction. <clears throat> now, there's no word as to what the object that is on the tracks, uh, what that object was. The New York Post, the article for them from the New York Post, only says that authorities believe that the object on the railway was the cause for the crash. A prelim- preliminary investigation suggests that maintenance problems are unlikely to blame because the incident took place on brand new tracks, that according to the AP. So what's going on here? You know, we have 77 plus injured, six dead, and uh, a scene of chaos and destruction. And it looks to be intentional. You have uh, the politicians now starting to speak out about it. Trump issued some statements on Twitter. You have the mayor of the um, Tacoma, Washington town, giving his statement and no word as to exactly what it was that that caused the train to derail so we're going to continue to keep our eyes on that as uh, a very serious situation they say that the death toll is likely to rise again so we're going to see where that goes and obviously pray for all the people involved all the injured eric do we uh, have paul on skype or should we Okay, thank you. Yeah, we weren't sure if if Paul McGuire, he seems to have problems with his Skype all the time. So before the show, Eric said, what do you think uh, our chances are of getting him on Skype? So we uh, have Todd bringing him on, so he'll be on with us in just a few moments. So <clears throat> in other news, aside from the, the uh, train derailment, you know, strong economic news, there was uh, a gr- bunch of great articles today. Stock market roars. It was up. I think they said that the 5,000 climb in a year, which is the, the highest ever. Economic optimism soars, boosting Trump's approval rating, CNBC survey says. For the first time in at least 11 years, more than half of the respondents to the survey rated the economy as good or excellent. 41% of the economy uh, expected it to prove in the next year near a record. 42% of the of the job Trump is doing as president, up four points from the September survey, while 49% disapprove, down three points. So they're making the <clears throat> argument that as the economy improves, as the stock market improves, and the job numbers and job creation numbers increase, that the approval ratings for the Trump, for Donald Trump, the president, obviously uh, increase at the same time. <clears throat> and with this tax bill that is looking to, like it's going to be done by Christmas, from everything I've read, they, that looks like it's going to bring a huge boost to our economy, not only in <clears throat> job creation, but also when you look at the corporate tax rate. Cutting the corporate tax rate from, I think it was 35% to 21% is a huge, huge break for businesses. And when small businesses can save that kind of money on their, on their, uh, on their books, that then trickles back down into the economy through <clears throat> paying employee employees higher wages, reinvesting in your business, business growth. So that's all good news. And it looks like you will, will see tax breaks, um, you know, for each bracket, all the way up to people who make $500,000 a year or more. And 
<clears throat> to see the uh, media constantly come against it and the people on the left saying, you know, how bad it is. It's gonna, it's only for the rich. It's gonna hurt, you know, all these low income, uh, people. None of that's true. The tax breaks are for everybody and it should be putting money back in everyone's pocket, just depending on what you make. Also, apparently in that tax bill, part of that tax bill is removing the mandate, the Obamacare mandate that is uh, a penalty, an IRS penalty, that if you do not have health insurance, you were forced to pay that penalty, which increased year by year. And now with the passing of the tax bill, it looks like they're going to take that out. More on that later. We have our guest with us, Paul McGuire. He's the author of his latest book with Troy Anderson, Trump Apocalypse. I'm going to bring him on and clear my throat. Paul, welcome to the show. It's great being on the program, and uh, I'm, I'm just loaded for bear, man. I'm excited to be on. I'm looking at your, your new book here, Paul, and I have not got a chance to read it yet, but as I, I'm sure as every one of your other books I absolutely love, you co-authored this with Troy Anderson, and this book right. is about President Trump and the battle against the global elite and satanic deep state. Right. So no shortage of stuff to talk about there, huh? Right. Right. Um, do you want me to respond now or? Yeah, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's just okay. jump right into this. Okay. So I, I held the publicity and the information. I mean, I didn't totally suppress it, but I tried to hold it back on Trump apocalypse for a variety of reasons. Now we're uh, moving towards the release date, which is uh, January 2nd. And since that time, a lot of things, I mean, a lot of things have really accelerated regarding Trump apocalypse. Um, first, first of all, it's the number one prophecy selling book on Amazon, and we have done almost nothing to promote it. Number two is um, there is a gentleman, I can't give out his name, but he's a personal cop, uh, um, personal confidant of uh, President Donald Trump, and uh, he is going to hand a personal copy of Trump Apocalypse to Trump, and uh, Trump supposedly, according to this gentleman, listens to his counsel, and he's going to strongly urge that Trump read the book. He assures me that Trump will read the book because of the contents, and these contents are explosive, and they're red hot. In addition, um, uh, in terms of being personally hand-delivered, I'm not talking about FedEx or something like that. I'm talking about personally hand-delivered. Vice President Mike Pence will get a copy. His wife, who I believe has already read an advanced copy, will get a copy. Ben Carson, and then a whole list of the highest level, but both leading Republicans and uh, a select number of uh, Democrat uh, uh, politicians will most of the major evangelical leaders you know that are active in America and stuff like that have already received a copy of the book and um, that the what everybody is saying with the exception of the politicians because we haven't heard back from them yet is that this book has the, the power to change history in America because it it contains a narrative. It, it answers the questions that people have. It answers the questions, especially Christians and some conservatives have, but Christians who who are troubled by you know the fact that uh, uh, Trump has a salty past, and it, it it answers those questions. It also defeats this completely made up 
theory that Trump, you know, has a psychological or psychiatric or dementia, Alzheimer's problem. And we expose where that came from. Uh, com- we completely expose it. Nobody else has done that. Um, I interviewed personally the man who handles, who holds the football, which is that suitcase uh, with all the nuclear codes uh, that only the president is allowed to release a nuke. And you know that the, the, the forces, well, I'm just going to call it for what it is, the forces of evil in this nation that seek to topple our constitutional government and uh, the American way of life uh, are trying to create this false narrative that Trump is, is, you know, emotionally unstable, his brain is fading, and he's going to press the button to the apocalypse. That thus the name Trump Apocalypse for the book, but that's a bunch of those are lies. Uh, they're completely without any foundation whatsoever. And the fact of the matter is, as you know, your father knows, your audience knows, there is a collusion going on in America right now. But the greatest collusion, without exception, now if indeed the Russians <clears throat> did collude and interfere with our election. That that would have been a very serious thing. But to date, there is absolutely no credible evidence whatsoever to even remotely suggest that occurred. As your listeners know, as you know, in fact, the opposite is true. It appears that Mueller, Hillary Clinton, and a couple of very high-level FBI directors, um, one caught with an email, and I believe it was Mueller who was caught in an email saying um, he was counseling this FBI director, and uh, the FBI director was rejoicing. This is before the election happened. It was like you know a couple of days before the election. And uh, the FBI director was rejoicing, as was Mueller, that Trump was not going to win. But, but I believe it was Mueller who said, we need an insurance policy. So just in case, in the remote chance that Trump wins the presidency, uh, we will be able to, and I don't remember what his exact wording was, but it, it basically meant remove him from office. And so we have the, the, the highest level FBI officers in the land making statements on email saying that before the election, that they're going to do everything they can to defeat Donald Trump in the election and make sure he doesn't get elected. Now, that's collusion of uh, a gargantuan level. That is collusion yeah. that, that goes through the roof. That's collusion. That it's is conspiracy. The, exactly. Go. Yeah, you're right. You might want to comment that because the mainstream media, which is owned by the globalists, they're completely in the tank. They're completely dishonest. And as you just aptly said, uh, conspiracy. And uh, you're right on. Uh, that's the greatest threat to uh, our Constitution and the American way of life. That collusion right there is the collusion and the fast track towards tyranny. Since when does any intelligence agency, military or law enforcement, actively use their powerful, powerful resources to change the outcome of an election because they don't particularly like his politics. Yeah, and, and you know, it's uh, it's amazing to me while we see, you know, those text messages from Peter Strauch that have uh, been made public, only 375, and there's 10,000 of them, they say, but where they actually are talking about a plan to ensure that Trump, if elected, they would have some sort of, of 
plan, and I, th- I believe that they're following through with this, uh, specifically with the special counsel and the claims about the Russian collusion, to unseat right. them. And, right. you know, we see their bias, we see the, the language that they use, but it's not, it, it's much further than that. This guy also interviewed Hillary Clinton, he interviewed Huma Abedin. I mean, he was protecting these people and basically admitted as much in those text messages. And now we have this double standard where the media, the, the hypocrites that they are, you know, are, are, uh, just smearing Trump day in and day out on this fake Russian narrative, but never touching the true collusion and true conspiracies from Hillary Clinton's Uranium One to, uh, you know, just every and anything that she's done. It's, it's mind boggling to see what she's been able to get away with. But Trump, uh, he, I don't understand it, Paul. What, what would motivate a man who is 70 years old, a billionaire, uh, set for life, can retire and enjoy the rest of his life, to put everything on the line, to be badgered day in and day out uh, by the media just to be president? Uh, that's why I, I uh, have faith that he wants to do the right thing. But, you know, it's the DOJ, the FBI becoming weaponized against Trump. Um, it's completely unacceptable, and it is outrageous. And what can we as a people do to change it? Well, you, you, know, you said a mouthful there. And when you said the intelligence agencies and, and, and the uh, FBI uh, becoming weaponized to get Trump, which also means that, that at the highest level, not necessarily the rank of file, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's high-level uh, members of the intelligence community, the good guys, Okay, I've heard over and over again uh, when I've been talking to people with intelligence agency contacts or who are former members of the intelligence agencies who have told me that over and over again there's a lot of good guys at the highest levels too, but they have to watch themselves because right now uh, it appears that uh, the bad guys are, are in control. And when you say weaponized against Trump, what that really means, as you know, is they are weaponized against the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and we the people, because we the people, whether the left likes it or not, we the people, on a constitutional election, which is our right as Americans, constitutionally elected President Donald Trump as, you know, as President of the United States. He is a duly elected president, and for them to conspire, and that's what it is, to impeach him, overthrow him, or perhaps remove him. This is nothing less than a coup. Uh, it's, it's, it's a revolutionary coup. You can, you know, paint it with sweet pictures all you want. And I was reading, and I'm sure you read this also, um, Julian Assange, the head of WikiLeaks, you know, he is certainly not a conservative. He's certainly not a Christian, and he's certainly not, you know, he's an independent thinker. Right. And he came out and said he's absolutely convinced that the deep state intends to fully intends to remove Trump from office, and that includes assassination or accusing him of a psychological breakdown in which they have a very clever chain of command um, already set up uh, to replace him with perhaps a pseudo-conservative. And uh, this is extremely dangerous. And then you then you said, uh, what motivates Trump to do this? Well, you know, in terms of the psychological profile, it's obvious that this man is not motivated by greed or 
a desire to be famous or to get wealth. I mean, his life is in danger. There must be tremendous strain on his marriage. I believe that Trump is motivated by a, a passionately sincere desire to restore America and make America great again. And I understand that because um, long before I was a Christian, I was raised in Jackson Heights, Queens, as you know, which, which is the neighborhood right next door to Jamaica Estates, Queens, where Trump grew up. And we talk about this in the book. Jamaica Estates was not the Beverly Hills of Queens. And all these these upper east side New York reporters say that the Jamaica Estates is the Beverly Hills of Queens. Let, let me give people a real clue who don't know Queens and a real clue to the elite in Manhattan. Queens doesn't have a Beverly Hills. There's no section in Jackson Heights or, or Queens itself or Jamaica Estates. You can search Queens, New York, far and wide. There's no Beverly Hills in it, okay? What you have is my neighborhood was like a middle-class neighborhood. His was like a uh, an upper-middle-class neighborhood. But that doesn't even come close to the super-wealthy neighborhoods of the super-elite in Manhattan. And um, he is older than I am, but there were similarities in the way we were raised, like... All these psychoanal uh, these psychiatrists and psychologists were analyzing him uh, from the TV screen, which is a complete farce. You know, you can't analyze anybody from a TV screen. And they were saying he he uh, you know was power hungry, and they used the term, and it's a psychological diagnostic term called the authoritarian personality. And we expose this in Trumpocalypse. What they all the psychologists and all the big time papers who were diagnosing Trump uh, said he had the authoritarian personality complex. But what they failed to tell you was the entire theory of the uh, authoritarian personality complex. That theory was was developed by former KGB Marxist intellectuals and professors who settled the Frankfurt School in the 1920s. And as you know, and we document extensively in the book from Apocalypse, that the purpose of the authoritarian personality was nothing more than to, to use your words, to weaponize psychiatry and basically attack anybody who has a strong leadership style and believes in, uh, you know, uh, capitalism, America, et cetera and destroy them by a false accusation. Because all the psychiatrists who developed the authoritarian personality uh, um, theory, like Eric Fromm, the psychologist and many others, were militant Marxists. They were cultural revolutionaries. They were the same people who weaponized our culture's vocabulary and created political correctness and attacked Christianity. All this is is a pretense. The authoritarian personality is nothing more than a thinly veiled pretense from communist organizers who want an effective Marxist revolution in the U.S. to destroy leadership. And we expose that because what all these clowns, and that's what they are, who write in the big papers, left out was that the, that the authoritarian personality uh, didn't stand alone by its own merits. It was merely a Trojan horse used to take down anybody who's a threat to a communist, uh, socialist, or, you know, strategy. 
And Paul, you know, looking here through through your book, <clears throat> I'm just looking at chapter seven right now, and I want to get this quote you have in here. The chapter seven battle against the globalist elite. We got here because we switched from a policy of Americanism, focusing on what's good for America's middle class, to a policy of globalism, focusing on how to make money for large corporations who can move their wealth and workers to a foreign countries, all to, de- all to the detriment of the American worker and the American economy. That was Donald Trump, June 2016. And, uh, I like how you, you, you put that quote in the beginning of the chapter. Then you go on right in there to the Tower of Babel and the tyrant Nimrod. And you talk about the origins and history of globalism. And I think this is a, an awesome segue into what we see today. This, you know, we, we see that nationalism has been almost made as a racist term today by the media. Right. And, right. you know, when you had that German nationalism under Hitler's rule, with the right. Nazis, obviously that's that's what you know. Apparently, they're worried about. But we've seen for so long, as you have written in the book, that we are uh, moving in this direction of, of globalism instead of America first. And obviously, when Trump came on the scene and his agenda is America's first, that is a direct threat to the globalists, to the media, to the right. people in power, even to the politicians who run this country. And that tells us so much about who these people are and what their true agenda is. Because if Americas are not even first, put first, and America not being put first by the leaders in the country, what does that say their real agenda and true agenda is? And uh, this is one thing that I'm I, uh, I'm really passionate about, the, the nationalism. We see this disdain for America in the public anymore, from the American flag and the NFL protests, um, you know, on and on and on. But Trump is, is bringing this back. Uh, do you believe that, we will continue to see this uh, populist uh, movement kind of intertwined with nationalism here in America. And do you think we'll see that, you know, uh, for the next 10, 20 years? Um, yeah. Well, no, I shouldn't say yes. I, I, let me answer it this way. <clears throat> I believe that as long will be committed to what they say they believe, and as long as Christians are truly educated about what the Scripture says, and not just make erroneous assumptions about what the scripture says, that Christians will have the same commitment and passion for restoring America that the communists have. Because I, I hate to break it to some of your listeners, but the communist Marxist network, and it's not popular to say it's out in the open, is highly organized, and it is all throughout America. And they are trying to bring America to the tipping point so they can have uh, riots in the streets, burning down of factories and stuff, uh, and because they want to trigger martial law, but not martial law headed up by Donald Trump, martial law headed up by uh, like a radical socialist or, or Marxist, and then, then, then they end America forever. So <clears throat> the mission we felt, and you know, the people, the people need to understand, Trump apocalypse was not written as any of the books that I write, uh, it was not written for the purpose of making money and, and or any other purpose. Now, that's not to say we don't want the book to make money, but we do, because we'll use the funds for other things, which I'll share later. But this is the key thing. And this was the burden of, of my heart. Trumpocalypse is really the culmination of a lifetime 
of an entire lifetime of learning and, and a lifetime of experience. I guess the last 50 years. That's how long Trump apocalypse was, was brewing. And my co-author, uh, Troy Anderson, a Pulitzer Prize nominated journalist, had a similar journey. But as you know, you know, I've shared it before. I was uh, raised in an atheist household. The New York Times was our family Bible that we read on Sunday morning. I demonstrated with Abby Hoffman. I was recruited by the rather underground. I was made an honorary member of the Black Panther Party, and I was a member of the radical left, and I wanted to see America dismantled and a one-world government, all because I was naive and stupid like the millennials. So I'm not putting down the millennials because at, my, at, my, at the same age frame, I was equally as stupid. But then I woke up, okay? I woke up. You know, my, my, I didn't have my brains freeze-dried, okay? I woke up, and I began to educate myself, and I began to read. And so we wrote Trumpocalypse, um, and then it's like a fire that burns in me, okay? Trumpocalypse yeah. contain. Go ahead. Well, no, Paul, I just wanted to <clears throat> to uh, put it in the context. Um, you know, when we look at all the, the different empires, uh, as you lay out in the, in the book, mm-hmm. um, on chapter 164, you say, you know, mystery, mystery Babylon has enabled the Luciferian elite to rule the great kingdoms and empires of history and dream right. of world domination. And then you, you go through history, uh, about the beasts and everything. But this mystery Babylon system is never going away. This is this new world order, Correct. one world, religion that is always been behind the scenes that is overtaking everything and just because trump's in there that agenda is still moving Correct. forward because it is a it is a spiritual agenda so when the next whenever trump is out of office the next leader we get could you know bring us to the completion of that system or in, in to the the moments before that so we really are in uh, the lord has blessed us by giving us trump to at the very least stall that agenda here in America from being implemented for four, possibly eight years. And I think that's so important that we realize that because just imagine what would have happened if Hillary became president and how much further that agenda would have been advanced in this country. Well, that's very well said on your part. And, and I want to emphasize that we, we communicate that message in the book because we are not saying that that Trump means, you know, happy days again, and that uh, Trump is going to bring about some new golden age. You're exactly right. The Bible and Bible prophecy will come true, such as the tribulation period, and the America moving into a one-world government at some, at some point in the tribulation period, which could come very quickly. So we're not in any way, shape, or form undoing Bible prophecy. We're just demanding that the reader focus and clarify their understanding of Bible prophecy. So Jesus says to the church, that's me and you and every true Christian, he says these words, among other things. He says, win souls for Christ, preach the gospel, and make disciples of all nations. But then Jesus Christ says these words, occupy until I come. Now, he means spiritual occupation. But when Jesus said, occupy until I come, he meant, you're supposed to, we're supposed to occupy the nation spiritually that we live in. 
for us, that's America. That means we are not, Jesus is expecting us not to, we're supposed to occupy it with spiritual, law-abiding, peaceful weapons. And we're not to allow the forces of darkness to topple our government, create chaos, and, and raise up a satanic government. And God's people need to hear that, and they need to, they need to read, and they need to rightly divide the Word of God. We know that Occupy Until I Come can only occur when the church is here on earth in this time period, because once Christ returns, there's no need for us to occupy until he comes, because we won't even be here, first of all. And then, as you said, the tribulation, the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, the return of Babylon, nothing's going to stop that. So we believe that Trump is an imperfect man, and let me emphasize the words, he's an imperfect man, that God has given us, not because we even deserve him, as an act of God's grace, Trump, we believe Trump represents a divine reprieve, a divine stall, a divine delay, so that we can, America can fulfill its prophetic destiny, and that Christians listening, like people listening to your program, can fulfill the prophetic destiny, which is to win souls for Jesus Christ. Now, here's the key thing. In the book, we explain that we look we don't even know if trump is born again let's get real okay we don't but what we do know is that from the day he got into office unlike everybody and unlike all the great pretenders trump immediately passed laws to defend the right of the church to speak out Okay, that was the most courageous act of any president in the last 60 years. Trump just recognized Jerusalem, God's holy city. Jerusalem is the city of God. It's the city of David. All the other presidents who pretended to be Christians talked big, did nothing. And you can go down a list of how Trump his whole life on the line to stand for Christian freedoms for preaching of the gospel to support the nation of Israel you can go down all of the key things that God considers important and Trump is doing it now this is what I we wrote the book for to, to clarify people's fuzzy thinking God consistently throughout the Old Testament he raised up imperfect ungodly and pagan leaders to deliver God's people Okay, so for example, Daniel the prophet influenced the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And people need to realize the king of Babylon, this was an occult empire. All of his advisors were deeply involved in the occult. Talk about immorality. I'm not going to say with words in your program the level of immorality that was happening in Babylon. It makes everything you see on TV child's play. When these people... Okay, we're so deeply entrenched in immorality. It was so off the charts that I couldn't even begin to describe it because it would offend everybody. It would be a pornographic description. Okay, so God used the king of Babylon, who was involved in the occult, who was involved in sexual uh, rights to worship their God, sexual immorality of all kinds. His advisors were all deeply involved in the occult, and yet God raises up the king of Babylon, because the prophet Daniel influences him. And the king of Babylon, an imperfect man on steroids, is the king that God uses to deliver God's people out of captivity from Babylon. 
Then we take just one, I mean, there's many, many examples of this, but let's take one more. Joseph influences prophetically Pharaoh, the God King. Once again, the Pharaoh system, all of the advisors were heavy-duty in the occult. They were a ruthless empire. Talk about sexual immorality. I can't even talk about it. It's so far beyond anything we see in our pornographic culture, it would make Trump look like a Sunday school teacher. Okay, yet God, through Joseph, used an imperfect man, a man who was a pagan king, and Pharaoh is the one who delivered the children of Israel uh, in partnership with um, uh, Joseph. So God has a history of using imperfect men. What we're trying to show in Trump Apocalypse is that the body of Christ better wake up. Trump is an act of grace. If we got the, the president we deserve, we'd get some socialist dictator. He doesn't have to be a, a, a fervent, on-fire, born-again Christian for God to use him. He doesn't have to have the morality of a, of a, a spirit-filled Christian for God to use him. But when it comes to, champ, to to fighting for the very, very important things of God, there Trump is, alone. He stands against the entire world. He stood against the entire United Nations on behalf of Israel. He stood against everybody in Washington, D.C. He stood against the globalist elite. He's being attacked by everybody. And that's because the globalist elite want him out. Why do the globalist elite want him out? He's the single greatest threat to their satanic new world order than any other man on planet Earth. So Christians need to wake up and quit snorting the, the pixie dust that Tinkerbell spreads around. Christians need to wake up, allow the Holy Spirit to set them on fire, and recognize that God has given them an imperfect champion, and they better watch his back, because if they don't watch Trump's back, they're going to, their backs are going to be against the wall in a concentration camp, and they'll be at the end of a firing squad. You, you know what, Paul, uh, Doug Hagman here, uh, by the way. It's hey, good Doug. to talk with you. Uh, you. You know, it's interesting because we had talked at one point, and it's interesting that, that the majority of the Christian detractors, detractors of other Christians, rarely, if ever, bring up anything about politics. Uh, they don't want to commit uh, to, right. to saying what you said. And I, I think that's that, that's uh, that that to me that's suggestive of both the spiritual bankruptcy, intellectual dishonesty, uh, right? It, it, you know, and it's it's um, it's something that I think that we as Christians and conservative Christians must do, and must point out in the fashion that you just did. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Since since our last talk, I had the privilege of talking uh, privately and confidentially with. People are who are in a position to know, you know, the, the, the social media, the internet is, is jammed with what appears to be Christian websites, what appears to be Christian blog sites that are, that are devoted to holding up the so-called purity of the faith. And, and this is going to be a real slap in the face for sleepy Christians, okay? And I hope they feel this slap real hard. And I don't mean that to be vulgar or impudent or arrogant. It's just that I love my nation. I love the people in this nation. I love Christians and non-Christians. And, and, and I feel the pressure, as I know you guys do, and many other uh, leaders do. I feel that if I don't throw everything that God has given me into the game, okay, 
then my children, my grandchildren, your children and grandchildren, will live in a totalitarian state just as surely, mark my words, if God's people do not repent, this is the final hour, if God's people do not repent and become the body of Christ and do what Jesus said, which is occupy until I come, mark my words, we will wake up to a uh, catastrophe, a crisis that appears to come from nowhere, and we will go under martial law, we will become a totalitarian state, and by the time that whole scenario plays out, they will arrest anybody, lukewarm Christians to, to on-fire Christians, or even conservatives, will be rounded up and put into re-education or concentration camps, where they will be killed, starved, and worked to death, just like they have been in every single totalitarian regime on planet Earth, without exception. So with that glaring historical truth in front of me like a neon sign, I don't have the luxury to to be stupid and look at some of these uh, websites that masquerade as being Christian and masquerade as, you know, being detectors of heresy and false prophet. I don't I don't have time to play that game because the stakes are too high. But I will say this, these people that I've talked to who have privy to inside information that I don't told me that there is literally an army of blog sites and Christian websites and groups, etc., along with bots and, and all other kinds of things. They pretend to be Christian, but they're, guess what, you probably know this, they're being financed by Soros groups, Soros foundations, they're funding, what, you know, you look at some of these Christian websites and they're attacking every Christian who does anything good. Yeah, or blog sites, and they're attacking, and they lie, for crying out loud. I've read some of them. They're, they flat out lie about the people they're criticizing, and they refuse to correct the lies. Well, the reason for that is they're being funded by Soros and other groups. So I hate to give some of your listeners who, who, who that's probably just the minority of your listeners, but I hate to tell some of the minority of your listeners, you better wake up and get the discernment because you're sitting there agreeing with a blog site and website that is attacking Christians that are actually standing up for what's right at great risk. And you're applauding and you're siding with people who were bought and paid for by Soros. And if you had an ounce of discernment and were able to really read correctly what they're writing, you would notice there is a very conspicuous absence of a true passion and love for Jesus in their words. You will notice that they're camouflaging and hiding their true biblical beliefs. You know why? They don't have any true biblical beliefs. They are an army invading the body of Christ via the Internet to bring down the leaders. But shame on those Christians who have chosen to be uh, not discerning, and shame on those Christians who are following Soros groups that are masquerading as um, um, you know, what do they call it? Wolves in sheep's clothing. And Paul, uh, you said a whole bunch there. I want to ask you this though, because you know we see all the the things on the surface, but we know, as uh, you point out in your book, you you quote Ephesians, uh, Ephesians six, the uh, wrestling, the spiritual wickedness, and the chapter is called Deep State Coup and Occult Explosion. Could we talk a little bit about the satanic agenda that is driving, you know, these uh, 
forces in government and, and uh, this establishment uh, that is coming after Trump. And we also see, you know, the war on Christians and Christmas, since it's the holiday season, you know, continuing to in- increase. People believe that conservative and Christian views should be banned, that that's not covered under free speech. Christians are being labeled as hate speech just for reading their Bible. And we see this, you know, war increasing. And then we also see the increase of the uh, dark supernatural forces intertwining themselves with intelligence agencies at times. Yeah, you're right. And the first giveaway is whether it's, um, it's uh, let's say, a British intelligence agency like Tavistock Institute or um, uh, certain CIA groups during the 60s and 70s or whatever. You notice that their uh, propaganda campaigns of, of these intelligence agencies, their PSYOP campaigns, if you will, have the same targets as the Satanists and the radical Marxists. The number one enemy is to destroy Christianity. Number two enemy, destroy the American family. Number three, destroy traditional values. Number four, destroy the concept of right and wrong, and you go down the list. But Christianity and the family are the two primary targets for destruction because these are intelligent men, and they understand from a sociological as well as a psychological level the fastest way to dismantle a a nation, make it forget its its spirituality and its history, is to to sever uh, the children from the parents, to, to annihilate the family structure. So when we talk about this proliferation, it's being promoted. Okay, it's being promoted by the mainstream media. You would, okay, just forget about transgender as a sexual lifestyle and maybe a, a, an operation. Forget about that as a lifestyle or a sexual choice. Remove that from your mind. Think of transgender as simply nothing more than a product. Let's call it uh, transgender is a soda pop, okay? But on the can, it says transgender. So transgender soda pop is competing with other soda pops. So it has to be sold and marketed and distributed. So the transgender lifestyle is being marketed, sold, advertised, and promoted and normalized as aggressively as any commercial product on the market. Every time you turn on TV, there's a celebration of some, you know, superstar, athlete, actress, actor, or whatever, who's transgender. The movies are, are, does anybody think it's an accident that the movies are bursting like springtime with transgender characters and transgender themes and transgender roles? Is this the, 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 the product of random, spontaneous casting, writing, directing, and financing? Of course it's not. The entertainment industry is a controlled assets, asset of the intelligence agencies who partnered with Huxley and others, and the whole transgender thing, as well as the gay thing and every other sexual thing, has absolutely nothing to do with meeting people's perceived sexual needs. The government doesn't give a blank about anybody's sexual needs. The only reason they're promoting transgenderism is not to liberate people sexually. They don't give a blank about people's sexuality. It's to smash the family to smithereens because the family is the final institution of God that holds the society together. Together, So that's what this is all about. Transgenderism is simply part of the arsenal in an all-out war for a culture that was once based on the Bible. 
Very well said, Paul. I want to remind everyone that Paul is Paul's going to be back with us on Thursday, so you're going to want to double tune dose. In. Yeah, um, we 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 had to break this up a little bit, but I, I think it's important for people to really understand what's the, the message here, and this is just the primer for for Paul coming back on Thursday. And his book it is so important. Go ahead. His book, Trump Apocalypse: The End Times President: A Battle Against a Global Elite and the Countdown to Armageddon. And this is going to be coming out in January. It's co-authored by Troy Anderson. PaulMcGuire.us. Can people pre-order there, Paul? Yes, they can pre-order uh, Trump Apocalypse at PaulMcGuire.us, or go to Amazon and pre-order it at PaulMcGuire.us. And a great book to go with it because it. It's called uh, Conquering the Matrix, and it deals with PSYOP, psychological warfare, of which every single person listening, including myself, is being attacked with PSYOPs, whether they realize it or not. And that can be gotten at my website, paulmcguire.us, and it's called Conquering the Matrix. We have all of our books that discounts, and if people order immediately, they can get it in time for you know Christmas gifts and stuff. I, I got to tell you, uh, you're one of the better authors, uh, in my view, about this very topic. Book that you yeah. can order. You know, I, I'm going to tell you right now. There's not a book that you can order, folks, that that would disappoint. And I've gotten so many uh, people. So, so many people have emailed me and said, you know, I, I love your uh, uh, and they the Babylon Code, for example, uh, Prophecy of Future of America, one and two. You know, they just love that. So I just want to point out that if you do have that someone that you want to give a book to, Paul's books, a, a number one. And, and, uh, you got my vote. And Trump Apocalypse, by the way, having had the advanced read on this. <laughs> hey, 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 when you said advanced read, did you get, did you get copies of Trump Apocalypse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we I, got one I, right I, here. I read it. Yeah, I, re- I actually I read it. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Read it over the weekend. Well, uh, I, you know, I always, book. I always appreciate I mean, I, I mean this sincerely, deeply. I always appreciate coming on your program. Always prioritize it, and let me tell you why. First of all, I like you guys. <laughs> Second <laughs> of all, you're one of the few. Not there's only a, a handful of hosts who get what I'm talking about. So it's very, it's very, uh, you know, it charges my batteries to come on your program because I'm talking to people who actually get what I'm talking about, and I know a vast majority of your audience gets what I'm talking about. So, you know, that that's a good thing. Let me just say one other thing. If you want to know, if your audience wants to know what the end game is in the next five years, if the enemies of the gospel get away with it, and I don't believe they are going to get away with it, if we do our jobs, okay, as you said, Doug, many times, if we occupy our positions and use an intelligent, law-abiding, peaceful strategy, we can win this. This is a winnable spiritual, law-abiding, peaceful war. I'm deadly serious about that. I have a secret nickname for Trumpocalypse, which I can't tell you what it is. It's just something I personally call it. Well, no, I better not tell say what it is. But Well, I will say what it is. People can whisper figure it out. It. My, we whisper my, it. No, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. No, I'm, kidding. No, I'm going to say it because, because, I don't know, I feel like saying it. My person, Troy doesn't even know this. My personal nickname for Trumpocalypse is one small smooth stone. And that's all I'm going to say. And anyone who's listening who reads the Bible is going to know exactly why I wrote the book when they ponder that term, one small smooth stone. And let me say this. If people want to understand the plan, uh, that, that the agenda that's, that's being planned, 
I've done an analysis of, um, uh, let's see, movies, films, episodic TV, statements by uh, public figures, especially in the last two years with the Trump thing, okay? And there are so many movies, so many episodic television shows, so many statements being made by public figures that they fit into what's called predictive programming. The scenarios of the movies, the scenarios of the episodic TV, and the public statements are meant to not be understood by anybody's conscious or rational mind. So they're like abstract dots. But I guarantee you 100%, every single person who watches or listens to the media or watches films or episodic TV or listens to these public statements, their subconscious totally has connected the dots and their subconscious has received programming in in the sense of instructions and behavioral patterns. Now, if you analyze the predictive programming, which is possible to do, and I teach you how to do that in uh, Conquering the Matrix, then you don't have to be clueless because they, they, they tip their hand. And one would be, look at how many TV shows deal with... Um, a transfer of power, national crisis, like a nuke on America, and then we're going to have the official, uh, uh, exchange, you know, there's this, a line of succession. There's even the TV show Designated Survivor, and, and the picture for Designated Survivor was the Capitol uh, being blown up. Almost the exact same picture I used on uh, my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, became the symbol for this movie, uh, this episodic TV show called Designated Survivor, with the guy, I forgot the name of the actor, uh, what's his name? Anyway, he played in 24-7, wasn't that the show, where he was like a really hip, conservative-like uh, intelligence agency? Well, now they've transformed him. He's gone through a metamorphosis. He is a, a, a liberal, accommodating, um, you know, uh, show no strength completely feminized, weak globalist, and the, the, the visual symbol for designated survivor is uh, a picture of the Capitol Dome, you know, detonated by a very powerful bomb. And then you have these, there is, there must be 25 or 30 feature films and episodic TV shows that are just coming out in the last two years uh, that deal with a very powerful plague that is unleashed upon America and then how, you know, there'll be disaster in our leadership and we'll have to have a designated survivor leadership. That's all predictive programming. Paul, we got about two minutes left before we uh, are out of time. And I want to thank you for uh, uh, coming on today. Um, I know thank it was kind of last me. minute and we, we got you back for Thursday. And I want to get more into this book, but uh, just real quick, what do you, what's some of the, um, with the Trump presidency, what what are some of the most favorite things that Trump has accomplished uh, that that you like? Well, first of all, Trump got this before most Christians. He understood the danger of globalism. He understood the importance of nationalism and patriotism. And for Christians, and we point this out in the book, God definitively in Genesis 11 
speaks against a global state and a global government. And in Genesis 11, God definitively speaks in favor of, God says he is in favor of the independent nation state, he's in favor of patriotism, and he's in favor of nationalism. So no Christian on planet Earth should be confused as to whether or not God is for globalism or nationalism, patriotism, um, and uh, things like that. Because Genesis 11 clearly says God's viewpoint. God is for the independent nation state. He's against globalism, and he's for nationalism. So you can take all the curriculum in the Sunday schools and the, and the mixed-up sermons by confused pastors. All they need to do is read Genesis 11, study Genesis 11, and then they won't be confused about Trump's policies. All right. Paul, thank well you said. so much. Again, paulmaguire.us is the website. Pre-order his book. It's going to be released on January 22nd, 2018, Trump-pocalypse. Thank you, gentlemen. Elite Thanks, and the Paul. countdown to Armageddon. God bless you, Paul. We will have you back on Thursday. Yeah, thanks Great. for, thanks for calling on short line us. All right, brother. All right, bye-bye. We'll be right back, folks. Network breaks are right where you're at. edition of the Hagman Report. It is just a week before Christmas, two weeks before the beginning of 2018. How quickly time has gone by. Uh, we've gone through a year of Donald Trump uh, being president. We've, we've seen a year's worth of uh, monkey wrenches thrown into the gears, the cogs of America. We're witnessing a silent coup. I've talked about this, or a, uh, an active coup, a covert war within the intelligence agencies, I believe, that are attempting to bring Donald Trump down. Um, I, I see this every day. I, I, I've talked to people who are who are mentioning this, who are saying, you know, there's there's a war within our government, and I think it's pretty clear from the uh, the, the uh, Peter Struck, Lisa Page emails, ten thousand. Who's got time to to email ten thousand emails, by the way? But uh, you, you've got you've got them, you've got Mueller at the at the helm, as well as well as uh, Comey, the leaker. You've got uh, all of these. Uh, but we can't forget to, we gotta go back to Brennan, you've gotta go back to Loretta Lynch, you've gotta go back to even Eric Holder, go back even further, go back during the Clinton administration, don't forget Filegate, the 800, uh, uh, folders, plus, uh, that, that, uh, uh that of course, that's been debunked. You ask any, any liberal website snubs, oh, that's been debunked. Just like Pete's Gate, oh, it's been debunked. Yeah. Well. You know, it's, it's, I've had it with these, with these organizations, these institutions. I've had it with, with these, these, um, places that, that, uh, that adhere to this false, you talk about fake news, that, you know, the fake news is those who are debunking the, the you know, what's right, right in front of our faces. Who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? You know, uh, are you going to believe your own eyes or are you going to believe, uh, uh, Snopes? 
Uh, Definitely not Snopes. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or Right Wing Watch, you know, or, uh, uh, or CBS, or CBS, or ABC, or NBC, or any of the any of the stations. It, it, it's it's incredible what has taken place today. Yeah. But, but, the, but the but larger picture is this. No one. Uh, bottom line, I, I said said this this morning. No one expected Donald Trump to win. They expected to coordinate Hillary and Hillary carry out the you know final implementation of the red green axis in, in, with respect to the United States. Carried through into complete subjugation to a to global governance, and that that got stopped by Donald Trump. Now they're they're sailing, trying to take Trump out of the way. He's out of control. He can't be controlled, um, and that's what's taking place right now. And we're seeing the manifestations of exactly that through the um, unveilings with regard to Mueller, and of course uh, Comey and Strzok and Rosenstein and Weissman and everyone, every one of these these deep state people. Isn't uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz testifying tomorrow? Uh, you know, what's she going to testify to? I, I can't. I, I just uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. All <laughs> yeah. right, about what a, a wands about what she did. You know, uh, perhaps having a, a fling with Imran and explain to me why Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you you kept Imran a wand on when he was you know when when he was known to be um, uh, when he was uh, accused and arrested for uh, fraud and other things. But then again, are we going to get anywhere with these? I, I do think that the uh, Congress is, is the various dueling committees, too. You've got the ones that are investigating Trump and the ones that are investigating uh, the 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 real issues. Uh, but bottom line, though, is, 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 look, this is an attempted coup to take down our government. We have to be very clear about what this is. Yeah, and if you're not paying attention, we're going to lose our country, Joe. We have our second hour guest with us, Randall Terry. He's a frequent guest and friend of the show. Randall, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Doug and Joe, it's good to be with you as always. God bless you both and Merry Christmas. God bless you and Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Thank you guys, exactly. <laughs> Randall, where do, where do you want to start tonight? I, I have been having a bad day. But all I have to do, my doctor said, just say two words and you're going to feel better every time. President Trump. <laughs> That's what your doctor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well, give me the phone number of your doctor, will you? Because <laughs> right. if you say President Hillary, you get depressed, you get anxious, you get terrified. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in, we're in a, we're still in a heap of trouble. As you guys have been talking about on this program, the, the deep state is pushing back against President Trump, but thank God for this reprieve. Um, we could start with the president's recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Jerusalem and what this will mean for Muslim nations and what it means and why they're outraged. Uh, we can talk about the demise, uh, the steady demise of ISIS and how that's a really good thing, but how it doesn't mean even remotely the end of Islamic terrorism. So whatever you gentlemen want, uh, we'll we'll have at it. And we can talk about anything else. Just, uh, I'm about, just glad to be with you. How about we turn you loose? How's that? Let's turn you loose and uh, you, you start right. you start wherever you want to start, and we're going to stand back and just. In fact, we're gonna, we're going to uh, forego the bottom of the hour break. Let you just go right through because you got a lot of stuff to get into, and all your wow, stuff is valuable. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm always thankful to be here, and, and I and I truly appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, when President Trump announced that that we were going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, I was thrilled. Many uh, Christians and Jews in America were thrilled. We don't understand. Most of us, 
why the Muslim world with a unified voice condemns this. And there's a reason. Muhammad said that the end of time would not come until Allah would say, O Abdullah, O servant of God, I'm sorry, a rock and a tree would say, O servant of God, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. So we have in the Gospels we have the rocks crying out. Jesus said, "If you know, if you're if they're quiet, the rocks will cry out that uh, you know that the King has come." Muhammad perverted that story and said that the end of time, the final judgment, would not come until rocks and stones and trees would cry out to Muslims, "O Muslim, O servant of Allah, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him." So. The Temple Mount, where Solomon's Temple used to be, is the third holiest site in the Islamic religion because that is where Muhammad allegedly flew the flying horse, Barak. Our former president was named after this mythical flying Muslim horse. Giddy up. Yeah. Um, one was the horse, one was the horse's ass. I don't know if I can say that on TV, but anyway. Um, I you apologize. can, and you just did, and that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, the... The Muslims believe Muhammad said that the angels cut his chest open and washed out his soul and made him full of faith. And then he mounted a flying horse and he landed on the Temple Mount. And then he went up to heaven to meet with God. The Muslims built a mosque there called Al-Aqsa. That's really close to the Dome of the Rock. They're on the same platform. So Muslims believe they call Jerusalem Al-Quds. Muslims believe that they should control Jerusalem and that the Jews have no right to control it, and but moreover, that at the end of time, there'll be a culminating battle against Christians and Jews. They believe that the rocks and the stones will cry out to kill Jews, and that, here's how Christians are dealt with, they believe that Jesus will return to judge the world according to the Quran. And Muhammad said that when Jesus returns, he's going to break the cross, he's going to kill the pig, and he's going to offer Christians one last chance to become Muslims. And if they don't, that he will lead the armies of Muslims to slaughter the Christians. I'm not making this up. This is what Muhammad taught. So, the um, United States of America recognizing Jerusalem as the capital is something that will simply never be accepted by devout Muslims because of the words of Muhammad. That's what that's the president opened up a can of worms and I'm and I'm thankful that he did. I believe that he did the right thing. But it's it's going to be a cause of stress. And he kind of and he's kind of outing them. He's kind of outing them because if the Palestinians will not accept Israel, which they won't, if they won't say they have a right to exist, how can there ever be peace? And the reason that the that the Palestinians and Muslim nations who are governed by Sharia law, Muslim law, they will never say that Israel has a right to exist is specifically because of Mohammed's declaration that Jews would be annihilated. Well, you know, uh, Randall, <clears throat> we see the uh, the latest attempted terror attack in New York City. I want to bring this up as an example. The a uh, guy was from Bangladesh. His family was here. Yes. And we saw after the attack, the family spoke out through a lawyer with care. 
who represented them. And they made an issue about the police doing their investigation into his family, asking the children questions without a parent present. And uh, the lawyer made a curious statement, you know, we the truth will come out uh, about this attack, something along those lines. But, it, you know, we, we've had guests on the show who talked about the extent of CARES infiltration into our government, yes. into yes. Hollywood. In, I mean, yes. so when... In, Anytime Islam is, is, uh, you know, on uh, a TV show being promoted or talked about on a TV show or on the media that they, uh, have consultants that they talk to to make sure it's not painted in a bad light. It's unbelievable. Yep. And it's to the point, like you just said, where Trump can, you know, criticize Islamic terrorism after an attack and be called Islamophobic for doing so. But let's talk about that Bangladesh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Well, that, that terrorist attack is a, is a perfect jumping point for ISIS and CARE. CARE is a lying bunch of, of godless thugs. Our evildoers, they are deceivers, and they know they're deceivers, and it's a part of their religion, part of Islam, that they are allowed to lie and deceive us about the true nature of Muhammad, what he did and what he said, and the nature of Islam. Muhammad set the wheels in motion saying that to his followers that they could lie about him. They could even say that they weren't followers of his. Muhammad gave permission to one of his assassins that he dispatched to murder a Jew. Gave him permission to lie. And he said, you are absolved in the matter. And so the man went and pretended that he wasn't a Muslim. And then he got close enough to his victim and he murdered him. So care is following in this deceptive path. They know they are. They're good at it. They're brazen about it because they think that this is how they can serve Allah because it's what Muhammad said to do, which is why we created the documentary, which you guys uh, thankfully have put on your website, What Would Muhammad Do? Islamic Terrorism Explained. And I'm happy to tell you that our first 5,000 uh, sets of DVDs have been distributed, and our next 1,000, we've begun to take orders on those. So That's it's incredible. Not, that, by I'm, the way, is an incredible documentary. Everyone, go ahead, Hagman Report, click on that link, go right there, and, and get that DVD. I'm gonna, I'll say this, and I want to tell, I want to finish the story about ISIS, but I'm going to tell your viewers now um, two things. One is, forgive me for this rabbit trail, but you guys are gracious to me. We we did a documentary on Norma McCorvey's life, the the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. We just finished it, and we it's called A Cold Day in Hell, The Conversion of Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. So we've been, we've been submitting it to different film festivals. We've already got a half a dozen Christian networks that are going to run it. They're thrilled with it. We won Best Documentary in the Christian Film Festival. And I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the documentary. It's, you know, we, we did what we had to do because of our love for Norma. So if your viewers, um, would like to order the What Would Muhammad Do series, we will give them the Norma documentary, A Cold Day in Hell. And, uh, that's our gift to you at this Christmas season. So, Go to the, the Hagman website. Oh, the other thing is I'll give a phone number. My office manager said, tell the Hagman listeners that I'm standing by one operator. My office manager is standing by. His name is Michael. And if anyone wants to call, they can call 904-826-9989. And I'll make sure that I'll, during one of our breaks, I'll make sure that that's the right number. So anyway, this man in, this Bangladesh, um, criminal. He's, he's not from 
the the Syria area. He's never been there to train with ISIS. He's got the words of Mohammed. And he doesn't have to go to Afghanistan or to Syria or to Iraq. He doesn't have to meet with members of ISIS in Nigeria or Libya. All he has to do is pick up the Hadith, the Quran, and Sharia law, and then he's got his marching orders. He knows what to do. And we have to remember, he was a legal immigrant. He was a legal immigrant. So it's his ideology that is the threat. Um, I, I know that your uh, engineer pulled three clips. What um, When I was talking to John earlier today, we bounced around some ideas and by text and by phone and, and I, I pulled three clips out of one of the episodes about how Muslims view acts of terror as evangelism. And so, uh, as Eric gets those, let me run the first two clips. I want people to understand what they're about to see. You know, Jesus, when, when the, when the apostles, I think it was James and John, said, Hey, Lord, we went and we preached to those people in Samaria and they wouldn't listen. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them like Elisha did? And, and Jesus said, You don't know what spirit you are of. The Son of Man came to save life, not to destroy it, and to give his life a ransom for many. Muhammad rejected that. And he believed that God told him that he could use terror and jihad literally to intimidate people into conversion. So if we could run those two clips, we'll get an idea of what's going on inside of the head of this man from Bangladesh who has never been to an ISIS training camp. All right. You want these back-to-back, Randall? Sure, the first two. All right, the first two back-to-back coming at you, Randall Terry. Um, Here they go. All right, uh, we're, we're having a little bit of an issue right at the moment. Just okay. stand by. Um, you, I'll just, keep. We can keep visiting keep, until yeah. Eric says that he's ready. Right. Go and ahead. Feel free to interrupt me. So, Muhammad had was illiterate, and he had people reading the Old and New Testament stories to him, and then he would corrupt them. He'd get them in his brain, and he would try and meld them into being something about him. He would corrupt them. He would pervert them. He would tell them incorrectly and he but he knew that old testament prophets and our lord jesus and john the baptist they didn't use terror to convert people and so towards the end of his life someone questioned him about this and muhammad's response was i have been given superiority over other prophets in that spoils theft Spoils were made lawful to me, and God enabled me to convert people, casting terror into their hearts. I was permitted to use terror against the enemies of Allah. So, I don't know how much okay. it was. Sorry. No, no. I just want to let you know we're, we're going to give another try when you're ready. I'm ready. Go ahead. All right. Let's give this another try. Back to back. Here we go. No, it's for for some reason, Randall. We're gonna try to play the second one just to, in, in the event the first one didn't render properly. 
Okay, it's we just have a spinning wheel here, it, which is odd. I, I, I got to tell you, we've got the we've got the equipment to 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 to, to do this, and um, we we hate the wheel of death. Yeah. Um, well, if he if, feel free to interrupt me again if right. he uh, if he if he if he gets it the clip going. Um, for the for the sake of your viewers who have uh, not had one of the opportunities to to watch us visiting. We spent nearly two years and a half a million dollars producing What Would Mohammed Do? It's four DVDs. It's like a college education on Islam, the origins of Islam, Mohammed's life, and the change in his life from being the peaceful preacher to the violent warlord. It's all there, literally thousands and thousands of hours of research for my master's degree from a military school in, in international terrorism. So... There's nothing like this. I Even since the last time we've spoken, I got a letter today from a lady saying she bought 20 copies and she gave two copies to the elders in her church and they, for their Wednesday night Bible study, they stopped teaching out of the Bible for several weeks and they've been playing a couple episodes every Wednesday night for their people to watch and to have discussions about. Um, there's some good books out there on this material. There's nothing like this in movies or in serial documentaries. No one has done what we've done. So while we've got the playing field pretty much to ourselves, I encourage your people to get it. And if they want to get multiple copies, um, we'll give them a big discount because we want, we're not doing this for the money. We're doing it to get the word out because Islam is a threat and, and President Trump has, has nailed it. And people like CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, they're going to lie about it. But at the end of the day, their goal is Sharia law. They want Islamic law. In fact, I was debating the head of Florida CARE about 12, 13 years ago, live on, taped, um, live to tape for a half an hour in Orlando, Florida. And he said, well, Mr. Terry, I said, these people want Sharia law. And he said, well, if we ever got to the place where a majority of people in America wanted Sharia law, surely you would go along with that, Mr. Terry, because it's a democracy. And I said, absolutely not. I would fight because no majority has the right to vote to make me a slave. And that's what you want under Sharia law. So, man, you could see the daggers coming out of his eyes. My wife said, if that man could have killed me, he would have. <laughs> You know, Linda Linda Sarsour wants Sharia law. You know, all these feminists uh, want Sharia law. It's incredible in how this is being couched. It's just... It's, it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, it really is. None are as blind as the willfully blind. And, you know, as Americans, we have a, a kind of a genetic predisposition toward freedom of religion. We we can't conceive of a religion itself wanting our demise. Now, if we were Christians during the first three centuries, then we would have understood that the religions of the Roman Empire and the religion of the worship of Caesar, that those religions were an inherent threat to Christianity. But in America we have don't have we don't have that past. Um I was thinking earlier today about knowing that we were going to be doing the show about the the great strides that uh, the military has made against breaking the back of ISIS under President Trump's directives. Uh, allegedly, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the, the self-proclaimed caliph, 
He's, he's in, been seriously injured. We don't know if he's dead or alive. But what I want to warn people, it's very important that we understand this. We should be thrilled with every, every successful raid on these vile human beings. But destroying ISIS, if we killed every single last ISIS fighter tomorrow, they are still, there, there will still be Islamic terrorism because they're following the words of Muhammad. ISIS is the fruit, not the root. The tap root is Muhammad, the example he left, his words. And they don't need a mosque. They don't need an organization any more than the early church needed buildings. I mean, if you think about it, there were virtually no church buildings for the first 300 years because Christianity, they met in houses, villas, because Christianity was technically illegal and oftentimes violently persecuted. And yet the church thrived without a building, without a really, um, without a, without a codified written infrastructure. You know, the, the, I want to be careful what I say, but the bottom line is, is that the church was on the run. And yet it still survived because of the marching orders that our Lord Jesus gave. Jesus told the disciples what to do. And they transmitted that tradition orally for the first 300 years. They had a few letters that were floating around. And people knew that they were going to be persecuted. People knew that they had to preach the gospel. People knew that they had to baptize new believers. They had their marching orders. And without buildings and without official recognition, they continued. Islam, ISIS to be particular, without buildings, even if they're on the run, they're going to keep killing because they've got their marching orders from Muhammad. And, and when, if we destroy ISIS, Al-Qaeda will reemerge. Boko Haram will, will reemerge. Uh, Hezbollah. There's so many different Islamic terrorist groups, all of which have their, their sap, if you will, flowing from the Muslim Brotherhood which flows from the taproot of Muhammad and Islam itself. That, that is Islam. So I'm thrilled with what is happening with President Trump, but we have to understand that they don't need a building. They don't need certain bits of territory inside of Iraq. They just need their marching orders from Muhammad, and they've got them. And that's why they're going to continue to do everything in their power to launch terrorist attacks. And that's why that man from Bangladesh does not need to go to Syria or Libya to be trained because the training manual is sitting right there on the bookshelf in his local public library. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What about the, uh, the, the, the mosque teachings, for example? You know, what we're seeing is, is this, uh, and I've seen this uh, up close and personal, you've got the Arabic language sermons, and then you've got the English language sermons in some mosques, and, but but routinely 98% of the mosques, especially those that are Saudi-funded, are, are, are teaching this, um, what would you call it, uh, jihad, I suppose. And, and I'm not talking about this inner struggle, but I'm talking about the right. the, the war, like, uh, you know, what's going on there? with As it relates to, for example, the... the uh, terrorist attack in New York City and, and those yet to come. Well, that that mosque in Falls Church um, 
I forget the name of the former imam. He was actually killed by uh, order of Obama when he was overseas. But that mosque is where Nadal Hassan, the, the um, he went to that mosque. Two or three of the 9-11 hijackers went to that mosque. And they regularly, and if, if you look at the sermons from that imam, all someone has to do is Google Imam Falls Church Mosque, which is right inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C. Falls Church borders D.C. So if you, we used to, my family used to live four blocks from the mosque. While I had fatwas against me threatening my life, we lived four blocks away from that mosque. One of my staff was pulled over by the cops for some traffic infraction. Opened, they said, can we look in your trunk? He said, sure. And they had, he had weapons. He had firearms. And they said, what's that all about? He said, well, I work for Randall Terry. You might have heard of him. He's the guy who does stuff down in DC. They know, they knew exactly who I was. <laughs> they said, shut your trunk. Have a good day, sir. <laughs> huh. so, so the police knew that that mosque was a threat. But federal law enforcement guidelines say that, thank you, God, please have President Trump change these. But under Obama, they changed the guidelines so that any religious materials could not be used to, um, what do you, profile someone. And it was under Mueller on the FBI, just as an aside. Go ahead. Yeah, Mueller is, is a, as far as I'm concerned, he's an evildoer. I don't trust that man as far as I can throw him. And I just wish President Trump would pull the, the entire plug on this sham, this absolute sham. So we'll see. <clears throat> we'll see. But, but anyway, that mosque existed, and they were preaching this stuff. They're using the Quran. They're using the Hadith, the, the words and deeds of Muhammad that are not in the Quran. And it, the fruit of it, you know, a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus said that. So... One of the reasons that we put the series What Would Muhammad Do Together is that we we wanted people to have the, the resource materials that they needed to understand Islam. The, the very vocabulary of Islam is foreign to us. What's a hadith? What's a sharia? What's an imam? I don't understand. What's a surah? So there's these words that are a part of their vocabulary, their lexicon that are that's not part of ours. So we put the series together, what will Muhammad do? And as you gentlemen know, every single thing that we quote about Islamic terrorism only comes from Muhammad and the Hadith and the Quran. That's it. It's all we do is quote their most sacred books. The ones that they deem flawless and un the the unimpeachable and you know the, the revelation from God, etc. So, and when the, when whenever a verse is quoted from the Quran or from the Hadith, a passage from the Karith or from one of uh, for, for one of the biographies or the Hadith, rather, we put the reference. It's right there on the screen, so somebody can take a you know they can hit pause and they can write it down and they can go and do all their own research. So, people are being people are benefiting from thousands of hours of research from me and then meticulous double and triple checking so that every reference is accurate and they get to to watch this and I I've had people say they watch it multiple times because they get to learn 
what Islam is all about and what's inside the head of these Muslim terrorists. It's our duty to figure out how they're thinking. If we can, if we can get inside their brain and understand how they're thinking, then we'll understand what they're doing and we can predict, predict some of their next actions. And, and that's invaluable. So, um, if people go to your website, as you know, they can click on that button there and it's, it's a four DVD set. So this is like, you know, this is a serial, it's a movie series and it's got every soup to nuts on Islam and Islamic terrorism. It's all there. Animators from all over the world. We had over a hundred people working on this project for over two years. Voice actors, animators, artists from four continents. So we're very proud of the product and thankful for the reviews that we're getting. And again, for anybody on Hagman and Hagman watching, um, if you order it either online or you call up my office manager, Mike, and, and you order one set or more, we will give you the Norma McCorvey video, the documentary on Norma's life, A Cold Day in Hell. We'll give that to you as our gift. Man, you can't uh, beat that. And I want to thank you for that. The number, by the way, is 904 826 9989. That's 904-826-9989. This is not to be confused with the video that supposedly inspired, uh, <laughs> Benghazi, right? Right. And on Hagman Report, <laughs> uh, for those who are listening, yeah. on HagmanReport.com on the right hand side, about halfway down the page, right. there is the banner, What Would Muhammad Do? And you click that link right there, uh, to get the, get the DVD. Yeah, and there's four there's four DVDs in each set. So if somebody orders four sets of DVDs, they get a discounted rate. That's all there on that page. And there's a lot of people who do. A lot of your viewers have ordered multiple copies because you've got activists that are watching. So give keep one for yourself. Give one to your pastor. Give one to your chief of police. Give one to the person who teaches your Sunday school class. You know, I mean, you start to think about who it is that you want to understand about Islam, and then you understand why you'd get multiple copies. Take one down to the mosque. Oh, well, that, <laughs> yeah, that might not we be intend, a good idea. We intend to do that. Really? We intend, we, yes, absolutely. In fact, what, what, we, what we've been discussing is, let's go to the mosque and let's have a press conference and ask for three things. Number one, we would like the imam, imam to publicly repudiate ISIS. Number two... We want him to publicly state that he does not want Sharia law in America. Publicly say it. And number three, here's the real rub. That he has no problem with any Muslim converting to Christianity. We want him to publicly say those three things. We want to see ISIS destroyed. How long do you prefer to wait? (laughs) We don't want to see Sharia law in America. And anyone who's a Muslim who wants to convert need fear no reprisals as uh, because they're an apostate. So I'll let you know when we do it. I'll let you, we have been, a group of us have been okay. talking about it, and I've been, we we um, we went to CARES headquarters in Washington, D.C. a few years back and had huge uh, pieces of paper with Quranic verses written on them, printed on them, uh-huh. and we tore them in half in front of CARE with television cameras all over the place, saying, we defy you. You expect us to respect a book he killed? Or you don't respect the Quran. The Quran calls for me to be killed. Why would I respect a book that calls for my murder? 
So, of course, we didn't hear from Kara. They, they, they're afraid of people. They don't want to tangle with us. Well, they want, well, yeah, the, 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 they the, want everyone to think that they're nice guys. And when we call them out and say, look, Mohammed had sex slaves. Mohammed authorized rape. Mohammed sent assassins to kill people, to kill a woman in her bed. That's your Mohammed. They don't want us talking about that. Right. Right, which, you know, the, the truth is the best defense and the best offense in this case. And, and it, it's it's amazing how you can ask a question uh, to people like Linda Sarsour, to Care, to uh, even to these, these idiots at, like, Right Wing Watch who believe that all of this flowery snowflake stuff, which is just a lie, uh, no one wants to address the truth of, of this of this cult. And it's not even a religion. It's it's a cult. It's a political it's a political system. Yep. You know, of course, all all the above. Yeah, political system, cult, personality cult around Muhammad, uh, a heresy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 got it going. N- not since the fall of pagan Roman deities have we seen something so deceitful and so destructive. It's almost like a revival of the um not the not the um substance but the form of pagan Roman government. If you if you look at the structure of pagan Roman government and it's it's open hostility to Christianity when when Constantine converted and then his son outlawed the public worship of pagan idols, that ended the the Roman gods. That, that was the end. Once no one was compelled to worship them, and once it became publicly illegal to worship pagan idols, it was done. Within a generation, it was, you know, just gone. So, except for Julian the Apostate and a few holders on, Islam is in form the same thing. It's a government, it's a government of the sword. Like the Roman Empire was a government of the sort. It's a religion of the sort. You are mandated to believe this. If you don't believe this, we'll enslave you. If you speak against it, we'll kill you. And that's what, that's what the Roman government had. So, you know, you can almost see the machinations of the underworld thinking, you know, <clears throat> we really had it going on when we had Caesar. Hey, what's that dude over in Arabia doing? Uh, and, Reviving the, the, the violent aspects and the oppressive aspects of the Roman, uh, religions only under a, a monotheistic, uh, heresy. And that's what, and that's what they did under, the, that's what the, the underworld was able to accomplish, uh, through Muhammad and his immediate followers and his immediate successors. I mean, it's just, it's been bloodshed from day one. Can you speak on the uh, what what many call the the axis of red and green communist and Islam? I I, I look, <laughs> you know, we talk about this. I know you know a lot about this. Uh, we've got a couple of congressmen who are Muslim. You got Andre Carson. You got um, uh, Keith Ellison. Well, Keith Ellison is a piece of work. Yeah, um, to one say of, the least. One, yeah. yeah, one of my good friends, Gary Boyclair, ran against him. For Congress one year, no hope of winning, but just to run ads about the violence inherent in Islam. And I, I hope that Keith Ellison runs for the U.S. Senate up there, uh, because I would love to just run a candidate against him, just using the F, FEC laws 
that when, when you run for federal office, you can run any kind of ad you want on TV. So when I ran against Obama in 2012, we had ads running in 31 states showing abortion and showing Islam. And it was, they were really intense ads because we wanted to get the truth out. And so I would love it if Keith Ellison ran. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. <laughs> it was funny. And he said, the world is, you know, the, the polar ice caps are melting and the things are so bad. And I said, really? I'm not, I'm not buying. I'm not buying. I think it's cyclical. And he was going on. I said, do you, do, do you drive an electric car? He said, no. I said, then, then be quiet. Get your act together and go buy one. And then when you do buy one, I'm going to buy an even bigger SUV so I can use up the fossil fuels you didn't use. So I said, look, if you really want to, if you really want to make a dent in fossil fuel emissions, you've got two countries you need to focus on. China and India. There's your two big polluters. China and India. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, there was a migration of the thinkers and the activists that went from red communism to green. Why? What's the end? The end is still to beat down America. The end is still to send jobs to the communist nation of China. The end is still to punish America for its prosperity. And as, as godless as the, for example, as godless as the Nazis were, they still work with the Muslims and they're to, to extinguish Jews. So you can see communists who hate America figuring out a way to work with Muslims who hate America and they unite in this common hatred of the United States of America and Christianity because they view us as the crusader nation, as the Christian nation. And I think that y your viewers can get a, um, a spiritual example of this, how this dynamic works. Because on paper, communists and Muslims should hate each other. Because, and, and true Muslims do hate communism. They really do. But they still can use the resources. And communists can can turn the other way while Muslims wreak havoc on the United States. The best illustration in the Bible of this is the Herodians, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. Those three sects inside of Israel in the lifetime of our Lord Jesus, they hated each other. The Pharisees hated the Sadducees. They both hated the Herodians for theological and political reasons. But the Bible says that they got together to discuss how that they could destroy Jesus. That unified them. Their common hatred of Jesus Christ unified Pharisees, Sadducees. The Sadducees denied the resurrection. The Herodians were heretics and loyal to Herod and their crown. <clears throat> they got together. Oh, look at that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they united to destroy our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were successful, I mean, because of the plan of God. But they were a part of the motion forward to see Jesus unjustly tried and unjustly crucified. So we should not be surprised at the illogic of 
these acts, these various axes of evil, if, if you will, that, that turn up because there's a spiritual dynamic at play. That's why you, you look and you scratch your head and go, why in the name of creation is there a feminist mar- march in DC with these weird hats and a Muslim woman is speaking? Yeah, I, I don't promoting get it. Islam. Right. And, and I don't get it. It's because they both have a common hatred of Christianity. Same thing with the LGBT movement, even though in Islam, they don't tolerate They'd homosexuality. All be dead. They'd all be dead. They'd be thrown off a building. Mohammed said, see, this, this didn't come up with the Orlando nightclub when they, when that, that was a gay nightclub. Over 50 people, if my memory is correct, were killed. Mohammed said, kill the sodomite and kill the one who allows it to be done to him. Now, the Old Testament said that homosexual behavior was a capital crime. But those rules were abridged by our Lord Jesus. There were several rules from the Old Testament. We don't stone people who break the Sabbath anymore. Because Jesus said that he was, or the New Testament teaches rather, that Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he's the, he's the body. The shadow was the rule, and but he's the body. Forgive me for drifting down that rabbit trail of, of, of theology and types and shadows from the Old Testament. This bottom line is the New Testament is clear that there are certain things in the Old Testament that were a crime, including homosexual behavior, that are no longer punishable by death. In Islam, they don't have a New Testament. <laughs> if anything, if anything, their New Testament is after the Battle of Badar, where Muhammad went from being a peaceful preacher in Mecca to being the violent warlord and executioner in Medina. So these these people in the LGBT community and the homosexual community that are all rah-rah, we we're standing with Islam because Donald Trump is against Islam. They're idiots. They're really foolish people. They're not intelligent. They're committing suicide on the installment plan because they don't understand that if Islam did get control of civil governance in a nation where where those homosexuals lived, they'd be beaten they'd be imprisoned, or they'd be killed. Just that simple. And they're not being treated that way in America. I mean, what's the big thing that they have to face? Someone like me saying homosexuality is a sin. The act of two men or two women being involved in a, in, in a, in a sinful act is an abomination. I mean, that's the worst that they have to endure, the conviction of their conscience. Somebody saying to them, this behavior is wrong, it's sinful. You know, oh, boo-hoo. You're going to cry about that? Go to go to Saudi Arabia and see what happens to you. You're dead. You're dead. I need to smile more. It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're. Uh, it it is crazy, um, you know, to see this that <clears throat> marriage between the the left and and Islam. If, if, I don't know how, how much time do we have left, guys, because I I had an idea I wanted to say something. You got about eleven um, minutes. Yeah, we we got enough time. Okay. Um, again. Mike, I don't know if Mike, we've got an operator standing by. Leave your m- number. My office manager came back from St. Louis today visiting family. And he said, tell people I'm at the office and they and I'll be waiting for their call. He always has a ball when he talks to your listeners. So, um, it's 904-826-9989. And if you order the viewers of Hagman Report, we will send you as our gift. We'll send you the Norman McCorvey documentary, A Cold Day in Hell. It's an award-winning documentary and, and I, and I, I believe that you're really going to enjoy it. So we we're in a 
battle for the country's soul. And we've been losing. For my whole adult lifetime, we've been losing the culture wars since the 60s. Some might even say since the late 50s, but for sure since the 60s, we've been steadily losing. We had a reprieve under President Reagan, and then we had a reprieve, we have a reprieve now under President Trump. Other Republican presidents did not provide us a reprieve. They helped with us continuing down the path. And every Democrat president to the man helped lead us further and further down into the portals of hell. And the Supreme Court is leading the charge. The thought that I, I just want to give permission to those that are listening to us and to your viewers to just laugh at people who are, are stupid. They're stupid. The people who believe this stuff about Islam being peaceful, about gay marriage being okay, uh, that socialism is a good thing, that evolution is a fact, they're not smart. They're clever. Some of them are articulate. Some of them are beautiful. They're the beautiful people. You know, like Juan Williams, you can just see Juan Williams sitting in that makeup chair and Fox and someone powdering his face, making sure that his teeth are bright white or, you know, to pick your left wing lunatic. They're not intelligent. They're stupid. And I'll, I'll make this one illustration. Then we, you guys continue asking me anything you want. Forgive me for going on this rabbit trail, but I think it's fun. Anybody who thinks that we evolved from primal swamp is by definition stupid. A Mercedes-Benz cannot evolve. A Rolex watch cannot evolve. Heck, a Timex cannot evolve. You have to have a creator to make a Timex watch. In our bodies, forget the cosmos, forget the seasons, forget everything else. Our bodies are more complex than any Timex or Rolex or Mercedes-Benz or IBM or Apple computer and, or every single last one of these things aggregate times a hundred. Our bodies are more complex than all of those. And to think that something this complex could evolve out of primal soup shows a level of stupidity and willful blindness that should make us feel pity. You have to be so arrogantly stupid and so willfully opposed to God Almighty that you would blind yourself to the illogic. But, but you're ignoring, you're ignoring yes. science, though. Yes. Hey. And you're it's right, like Randall. Science points, point, science points to creation, to intelligent no, design. No, no, no. Science points to evolution. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right, exactly. Like I said, if you believe that, I have a bridge I want to sell you that goes from Los Angeles to Hawaii. Where's your money? Show me the money. So anyway, just laugh at them. Like Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. He mocked them. He laughed at them. He said, yeah, Baal's a god. Maybe he's uh, sleeping. you got to wake him up. Uh, no, wait. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. He's relieving himself, and you can't disturb him. He mocked them because it was so stupid that they believed that Baal was God. And it's even more insane that these people want to reject Christianity, reject truth, reject creation, and, and embrace Islam as if it was a peaceful religion. Lord have mercy. How did I get on that rabbit trail? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think well, I think we kind of pulled you there too a little bit. 
I'm oh, sorry. We, we we pulled you down that rabbit trail a tad. That's all right. <laughs> Just a little. It's fun. Give you push, Randall. I want to I want to bring this up. Uh, we see this trend increasing in Europe and in Canada, and the push for it here, which is censorship and hate yes. speech laws. Uh, just yep. today I saw this article. Twitter suspends deputy leader of far-right British group that uh, was retweeted by President Trump. The group Britain First, Twitter suspended an account belonging to uh, Jada Franson, the deputy leader of the far-right group Britain First, who posted an anti-Muslim video shared by President Trump last month. And it goes on to say, in addition to that account, the accounts of Britain First, as well as other associates of the group, have been suspended on a crackdown on hate groups that began Monday. Now, uh, we see this all the time, but in Europe they have the hate speech laws. In Canada, they're trying to implement those. <clears throat> but um, these videos, they say they're anti-Muslim videos. Well, the one video I saw, they showed Muslims throwing a homosexual off a roof. So it wasn't some made-up content or uh, content that was designed to bash you know, Muslims or Islam. It was uh, showing the behavior that... Uh, Muslims have in certain areas in the Middle East in dealing with this. But we see this this huge push. Uh, anything critical of Islam is Islamophobia and, you know, you're racist. And now we see the social media, uh, YouTube, Twitter, they're all cracking down on what they call hate speech or controversial speech. And part of that is anything that is anti-Islamic. What can we do I guess outside of the... What, what, how far do you think this will go? The censorship will go first of all. Let's start there. Um, I have a, um, I have a really dark view of the future. I think, um, I think I honest. If you really want to know, I I I think we're headed for civil war. I think okay. in our lifetime, I, I think I in our lifetime, we are going to see severe bloodshed. I, I do too. And well, thank you. I, I, I hesitate to say it, but, um, I don't say it glibly. I say it with uh, a level of fear and trepidation. I think that we are headed for assassinations. I think that we are headed for a, a severe breakdown. And I think that I think that people at Google, Twitter, Facebook, I think that these are, they're the new tyrants and they want to suppress the flow of information, but the, but the end of the matter, it's not just that they want to suppress the flow of information. CBS used to want to do that before we had a thousand cable channels and before the internet when we were young. But we always had newspapers. We always had radio. But there's a move afoot with the self-conscious goal that is very different than CBS in the 1960s. The self-conscious goal of these people is the suppression of truth vis-a-vis -vis Christianity, the laws of God. So abortion is murder. I believe that abortionists should be tried literally put on trial like they were after Nazi Germany and I think that they should face the jury of their peers and if, if their sentence is 30 years in prison or execution whatever it is we tried doctors after World War II 
part of the Nuremberg proceedings was the trial of abortionists, okay? So we there's got to be a reckoning. There's no way that we can have the level of evil that we have going on now coupled with these tyrants who are trying to suppress us when we tell the truth. You guys know what you have gone through at the hands of Google. When you used to do a Google search on my name, if you put in the name Randall, just R-A-N-D-A-L-L, just Randall, the first thing that came up was Terry. Because I was such a, a, I mean, I, I am a fixture in media, in politics. And now if you put in the name Randall, my name doesn't even show up. We have watched them in real time. People at Google, they're called um, raters, R-A-T-E-R-S. They rate websites. We have watched in real time where our press releases will go up. You can search it and it'll show up. And then 10 minutes later, it's gone. Just gone. So I'm I'm a small fish right now. I mean, I'm doing my TV show. I'm I'm privileged to be on your show, and we're you know I'm writing, doing movies, stuff like this. But they're doing this across the board. If if they had their way, they would shut President Trump down, just like we saw with the Twitter account. Yep. Make no bone, make no mistake. The Twitter is based in America. Okay. That was that decision had to be okayed either before or after the fact by a Twitter rep in America. They hate free speech. That's right. They hate it. And at the end of the day, the reason that they hate it and they fear it is because they hate God. They actually hate the Lord God Almighty who gave the Ten Commandments, all right? They might say, oh, I love God and I pray to God. They don't love the God of Moses and Jesus. Exactly. Which God? Right. You've taken us to the. You've taken us all the way through. We apologize about the clips, the the, um, the videos. However, um, things happen for a reason. But I think you got a great message across, Randall Terry. Uh, 904-926-9989. Keep the operator busy. Zero four eight two six nine nine eight nine. Go to com. Click on the link directly to uh, on what would Muhammad do as well, but uh, for the special for the Norma McCorvey uh, video, 904-826-9989. I wish we had more time. Yeah, do protest. Do protest in front of Google, in front of Twitter. Burn effigies. Find out what the owner of the company looks like and burn his effigy in front of the building. That will get their attention. That's what some of the stuff we can do to push back. There you go. Absolutely. Jack Dorsey, we're coming for you. All right, man. Randall Terry, thank That's you. Fun. We'll be back after this short break. Excuse me, we have a great guest coming up in just a few moments. John Ramirez, his website, johnramirez.org. He is a minister, and we're going to hear his story in just a few yeah, Former moments. Satanist, though, right? Former Satanist, yes. Yeah. And yeah. He's, we got a whole bunch to talk about on our daily show. Uh, John sent over a clip to me to play a while back that was talking about the satanic nature of Halloween and uh, the pagan nature of so many of the holidays that we celebrate. And I know that's one area we're going to get into with John when he joins us. Um, I don't know. Pagan nature of, of 
or of Halloween of, of some of the yeah the, uh, okay how the Western world has kind of adopted the ancient pagan well you know I, I saw my morning show I, look I this is the Christmas time accepted time among Christians when you celebrate the Christ of our Lord and Savior all right now now uh, everyone understands I think everyone understands this is not his birthday. Enjoy the uh, the family time. Enjoy the the spiritual the connection you might make that you would not ordinarily make. But understand, you're not a druid. I'm not a druid. Okay, so so don't don't bust my hump, um, th- thinking that you know you're you're, you're gonna you're you're gonna uh, just because I I have a, a uh, you know a Christmas tree decoration, for example, that I'm celebrating some kind of druidic holiday. If that's the way you feel, okay, you 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 willing to plant your flag on that on that battle on that hill? Is that what you want? And I ask you that. I, I ask you about that. Now, if if that's your ideology, fine. Uh, apparently, you know, you've you've got nothing else that, that's on your radar that's more important than that, right? Or or, or is that is that just a part of your your bag? Um, my thoughts are anything that, that gets your attention onto the the meaning of this season to me is is okay. Um, now I'm not now. Of course, I'm gonna get emails saying, "Well, you okay?" So that means you know, no, don't go, don't go out that far out. Um, I, all I'm saying to you is very simply, um, as you walk. The streets are quiet because the snow has fallen. Maybe, perhaps, in wherever you're at, embrace the feeling, the spirituality, the connection. Enjoy the family time. You don't have to. You're not. You're not idolizing anything. You're not. You're not putting up a an idol of a, a Christmas tree for a druidic worship. That's my view. Now, if you want to take issue with me, fine. All right, then, then go for it. I, I always. I always have a. I have a delete button. I use. I can uh, hang up the phone if I need to, or press that red button there and just not listen to you. It's my choice. All right, Joe. We have our guest, John Ramirez, with us. John, welcome to the Hagman Report. Bless you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, it's great to have you. I just got a, uh, a word from our technician that your video is not turned on. Oh, so, my video's not turned on. Okay, yeah. let me see how I uh, accomplish this here. You I should, can work you, on that right now. You should have okay. like a picture of a like an icon on a video. I think I'm I'm on now, right? There you there are. There we go. There you are. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, John John Ramirez dot org. John, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, basically, uh, before Christ, I, I was before the Lord Jesus Christ. I was uh, the third high-ranked devil worship in New York City. Uh, I ran regents. I ran. Uh, I ran regents. I did witchcraft for hire. I was like an evangelist for the dark side. I was a, a general in the kingdom of darkness for 25 years. I was going to demon church at the age of eight years old, into the age of 35. That's when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, he took me to hell. I came back. And I went to hell as a devil worship, but came back as a believer. Wow! So you were given a, a, a spiritual vision. You said you were taken to hell. What, what was that like? Obviously, life changing, right? Well, well, it was. Well, I mean, it was. Uh, it, it was beyond life changing. Due to the, I mean, beyond life changing. I mean, I was. I was running region for the devil principality, demonic regions in the ground. 
plenty of witchcraft in places, transporting demons from one place to another so they can be spirit of murder, a spirit of suicide, spirit of homosexuality in different places, spirit of poverty. I mean, I was, I was, I had a PhD in witchcraft. I mean, if you mess with me, I kill you with witchcraft. I didn't even have to go get a gun. I know how to destroy your witchcraft. So doing all that and then, um, having a, it was like a vision dream, went to hell. Got, came back from hell and I gave my life to Jesus Christ in October of 1999. And knowing that once I left the occult, they was going to come and kill me with witchcraft because I knew all the secrets. Yeah. That, and that's, that's very interesting. Uh, how, your background in, wow. the, in the occult, um, how that's helped you today as being a minister, has it not? Being able to understand well, that other side. Why well, one one thing I think the, the the great thing about knowing uh, being on the other side that I don't regret being in that side because it's not what you start, it's what you finish, right? So going the other side, knowing how the devil works, kingdom of darkness work, how the principalities work, how the demons in the ground take orders, how the divided, how the kingdom of darkness is not divided. The Bible says uh, that we we understand that the, we is a, a spiritual warfare going on now. And everywhere we, we turn up, we, any, any neighborhood we turn, there's a spiritual warfare going, whether it's demonic, whether it's, uh, pharmacia spirit, uh, addiction spirits, suicide spirit, murder spirits. We, we understand that the devil's at work. And I understand the patterns and cycles of the devil because I've been there and I did, I did it for 25 years. It's not like I read a book. G- I us, lived there for 25 years. All right. If you don't mind, and we don't have to spend much time on this. I don't, certainly don't want to take you down any roads you don't want to go down or make you, make you feel uncomfortable, but give us a taste of, of what you experienced, I mean, not too many people can can uh, can say they went down the road you went down and experienced what you experienced, and then came back and uh, with a complete change of heart. So, just give people a taste of what it was like, if you don't mind, to the extent you feel comfortable. And again, oh I'm no, not... I, I I let it rip. I don't. I'm not afraid. Okay. I All let right. it rip. I, I tell it the way it is, in black and white. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. I ain't worried about the devil. What he has to say. I'm not worried about what the what the people from the occult have to say. I, I, I was in the occult, uh, from, from New York City to Miami, from Miami to Cuba and to Haiti. So I was, I, I knew, uh, I knew like, uh, sectors of the occult, which is high ranked devil worshippers that run in, uh, in, in, uh, different regions. We operate, uh, to, to, to the spirit round and, uh, take over regions, paralyze the church, disarm the church because it's who took the territory first. Uh, in regards to even disarming the church, uh, stopping, uh, the people of God to, uh, succeed and, uh, bringing people to church. We did witchcraft to the church. We operated in the spirit round. We knew how to move in the spirit round. We knew how to take authority over the spirit round. Drinking animal blood, killing animals, uh, taking over regions, crossing, uh, actually, uh, taking the four corners at every neighborhood, which is a crossroads of, uh, demonic forces in and out and, uh, actual projecting. And taking over regions because uh, you can't go to one person at a time, so you take over the whole neighborhood and curse the neighborhood, paralyze the neighborhood, and spirit around, put a spirit of witchcraft, spirit of murder in the neighborhood. So does, so that, the, does that work? So, I, 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 sorry for that a- academic question, but does that work? Oh, of course it works. The devil's alive and well. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, it's going to work on you. If you don't have a revelation with Jesus Christ, when I was in that world, I would dismantle you and take over your family like nothing. Because what, what how okay. can you stop something you can't see? True, good point. And, and the, the only way to defend against that is through through one through state. Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, to prayer. That mean to prayer, having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, even the demons said, "Jesus has no point. No, who are you?" So basically, what he was saying to the man: "You don't have no authority. You have no relationship with Jesus. You have no rank. You have 
no position in, in the body of Christ. I don't see the blood of Jesus on you, so I have the right to take over your life. I have the legal right. The devil has the legal right to do whatever he wants. And because uh, the people are unbelievers, and also the people in the occult, he has his own kingdom, and also for the church that is weak, and it's plain church. Okay. All right. So the non-believers or, or the ones that, that weren't prayed up and, you know, uh, you'd mess with them, basically. Is what well, you I owned them. I, I used to own them. I, had, I used to own them because I knew that in the spirit, everything starts in the spirit realm. Is whatever you control in the spirit realm, even as a believer as Christians, I know how to dismantle things in the spirit realm against the enemy, against my life, against my daughter, against my family, against my ministry, because whatever you destroy in the spirit realm, you get you get the victory in the natural because the devil knows how to operate in the spirit realm. The devil, these are falling angels from heaven. At one time they reign and rule. They didn't reign and rule, but they lived in heaven. They had they, they were angels, but now they're going, they're ruling and reigning here on the earth on the earth realm. So they they operate in the spirit realm, and we 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 need to understand there's a spiritual warfare fight okay. that is going on today. All right, I, I don't want to jump around here. I don't mean to jump around, but let, let me ask you this: uh, those people who. Um, who are fighting the battle like well we have pastor langford on every wednesday we've got or even like us um are we targets and what can you do to us and if you if you put your sights on us i mean or, or wouldn't you put your sights on us or if we're prayed up or we're protected give me that give me the scoop on this well, the, the, the scoop on this is, is a, a real believer, a real, a real believer in Christ, a real, a real uh, person that served Jesus Christ. Not a perfect person because no one is perfect, but a genuine believer in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. That we can't be moved. We can't. We, the, de- the devil might try, but he ain't going. He's not going to accomplish nothing against the real believer in Christ. Now, if we have loopholes and we're living a double life and we're living a life that we are spiritually anemic, we don't have no relationship with God. And then the enemy has the enemy has a lot of. Uh, Opportunity to take to grab a stronghold. That's what they call stronghold. Patterns and cycles of the devil in many Christians' life today. They're free for six months. Six months later, they're bound with something because there's no breakthrough. There's no there's no strong relationship with God. So it's it's not what the devil throws at you as a real believer. It's what you do with it. Okay, and you know, obviously, we see and know from reading our Bible that uh, the true battle is the battle of in the spirit world, the the forces of darkness. Uh, versus the Lord, um, spiritual battle and the forces of darkness are gaining massive uh, amounts of people in their minds and in, in, in the world and the society. We see it so often, and I want to ask you this: We see such delusion in our culture and in our society today, uh, from the news media to uh, you know the politically correct social justice warrior kind of movement, you know, the pro-abortion. It's just this ideology uh, that I would expect the Satanists to promote. We see that a a nice percentage of the American population is starting to buy into this. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's people that that, that are so caught up in in the hype of the the devil's kingdom from Illuminati's from uh, Illuminati, Freemason, uh, devil worshippers from, from many different realms of the spirit. There's 21 rounds of the spirit. They, they operate in those rounds, uh, even through, like you said, politician, media. I mean, the devil is the prince of this world. The Bible says he's a prince of the air. I mean, he controls the airway. He controls the music. He controls uh, the media. He controls the politicians that are not really uh, born-again Christians. So he knows how to operate, and his kingdom knows how to operate in the spirit realm. That he has a stronghold in all, in all these places, abortion clinics. I mean, you, I, I remember when I was into the witchcraft world, I gave people miscarriages to witchcraft. Why? Because I knew that the baby represented the, G, the church of Jesus Christ. So represent the church of Jesus Christ, so you kill it at the womb. 
And I used to do all these demonic things, but thank God for his grace, his mercy. And, and God was, he got a second chance and he forgave me for all my sins. And today I'm an evangelist for Jesus Christ, exposing the, 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 in, in, I would say front line. I'm exposing everything with the devil stands for and how this armor and how to live the Christian life you're supposed to live. When in victory. Amen. When America was founded, the majority of the people who settled here were Bible-believing Christians. And today, <clears throat> we see that uh, Christianity in America is, is somewhat turning into a, a minority. As this happens, um, obviously, through the spiritual warfare aspects you were just talking about, the devil's able to um, gain uh, power and gain this uh, authority, I guess, over the people who are not Christians and, and any and everybody else. Um, as we see, you know, uh, Christianity moved out of the schools and the Ten Commandments off the courthouse steps, and that encroachment continues, uh, will the devil be able to have a full-blown takeover of this country in the next 20 years due to the, the people's uh, lack of faith in him? Well, we, we understand that the devil is going to rule and reign. Uh, the devil is going to rule and reign. And this, he, the Bible says he's the god of this world. So he, the G, he's a small G. He's going to rule and reign for a period of time, and he knows his time is short. He knows that the victory uh, belongs to Christ, the finished work of the cross. There's a remnant of real believers out there that are fighting the good fight of faith. We're taking a stand against the camp of the devil. We're confusing the devil. We're confusing the enemy. There are real churches out there that are that are praying, the spiritual warfare churches that are taking back the territory. Because, you see, the first Adam lost lost his rights, right? But Jesus, the second Adam, came back and gained the rights to the cross. So he gave us the rights. He gave us the right to do uh, to fight against these things. But is the church fighting? Is the church taking a stand? No, the church right now, the, sorry to say this, but the church at large is trying to get rich. They ain't fighting. Yeah. No, you know, no. And my, my job is to fight. I pray for people. My brother, I pray for people that got infirmity spirit. I, got, I pray for people that have false days cancer. I pray for people that have bipolar spirits. Came off them. Came off them. Because, you see, I represent the church of the Book of Acts. The church of the Book of Acts was a force to be reckoned with. They knew spiritual warfare. They knew they had the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you can't be moved. No, you're you're absolutely right. I want to uh, get into a few things with you. One of those being um, the pagan nature of some of the holidays we celebrate, like Halloween. And we listened to a video you did on uh, some of the, the behaviors of Christians during these holidays. And the example you gave is having a, a pumpkin carved on your porch. Yeah, most and, people and have got power, no clue what that represents. Yeah, I, I want to get into how these spiritual forces in, are able to influence us. And, and using that the Halloween and the, the jack-o'-lantern, just as, as one example, but how are some, some of the ways that uh, we have embraced paganism here as Christians and are uh, opening ourselves up for demonic attack? Well, I think I think I think like we, we, we talk about Halloween, and Halloween is it's a demo, I mean Halloween is basic. I mean I mean I mean you can't even sugarcoat Halloween. It belongs to the devil. The month of October belongs to the devil. The month of October is I mean if you look at the month of October, you look at history. The most crimes happen. The most blood is shed in the month of October. I mean we see the Las Vegas shooting. I mean, a sad, tragic situation happened in Vegas. The devil wants blood in the month of October. We see in late October, what we see in late October, someone walked into a church and killed 26 people. I mean, the devil's looking for blood. You, you see November 1st, which is the All Saints Day, which is not really All Saints Day, it's All Demons Day. You see the, you see the shooting in, uh, 
in Colorado in the Walmart. And so, so you see the patterns of the cycles of the enemy. He operates in the spirit realm from one region to another. So, so when we open ourselves up and we start celebrating and, and sugarcoating these, uh, the, uh, October or sugarcoating, uh, the, the, the Halloween situation, you can't dress up Halloween. Even Anton Lavain, when he was the, he, he was the, the priest of the Church of Satan, he made a comment. He said, and years ago, he made a comment. He said, I want to thank all the Christian parents. At least you one one time of the year you let your kids celebrate the devil's holiday. I mean, it's coming out of the horse's mouth. I mean, you can't even sugarcoat that. He's saying that himself. So, so how is it that we now we're gonna slap Jesus and everything and make it make it a holy? I mean, holy holiday. I mean, even when the people were doing the ice bucket challenge. I mean, I mean, how stupid was that doing the ice bucket challenge? When I did that mm-hmm. ceremony when I was in the devil's side, uh, I did the ice. I did that that challenge that that ceremony it's called Sansi. Sansi is a Haitian ceremony that very few people in this planet is able to do. And when you seal the contract with the devil, you, they bathe you with ice bucket water. So now the church is going out doing ice bucket challenges. I mean, we just follow the world. The world ain't following us. No, that's one of the biggest problems I see with Christianity here in America is that the church is constantly conforming to the world and changing when it should be uh, staying on its foundations that are laid out in Scripture. And it's really frustrating to uh, to watch that continue to unfold. What about Christmas? We see a lot of um, debate about this amongst Christians. Some believe, you know, the uh, you know, celebrating Jesus's birthday is fine, but then you get into the things like the the tree, uh, the pine tree, and you know how it's turned into a materialistic holiday. Uh, what, what what's your thoughts on Christmas? I love Christmas. You know, I love, I love Christmas. Christmas to me, I, you know, represent the birth of Jesus Christ. And we know when we own, we, Jesus, first of all, we just, you know, we take it and we, we put it in a place that we can win souls to Jesus Christ. We do great uh, productions in churches and do amazing altar calls. I go to Times Square Church. They don't play. That's the real church. And we do amazing altar calls and we do production to win souls for people. People come and get saved. And, but Christmas to me, it's not. With, 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 I don't have a problem with a Christmas tree because it's not what, what, what it's not what underneath the Christmas tree is it, is Christ dying on the tree. So that's my that's my gift. When if I have a Christmas there tree, it at home, is. there my it Christmas is. Christmas tree is not what under it's not what's under the tree. And who died on top of the tree? And to me, the tree represents Jesus Christ across the finished work of my salvation because I am indebted. I am indebted to the cross of Jesus Christ. I, 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 there's no way I can go. There's no way I can repay that debt. So to me, I, I mean, I represent the tree. To me, I take it away from the devil and I put Jesus on it because it's not what underneath the gift, uh, underneath the tree is who died on top of the tree for me. Uh, there it is, and thank you for that because a lot of people feel. I, I'm, I get emails. We get emails of people who are feeling guilty about celebrating Christmas. People who uh, don't want to have a tree because it's idol worship. Look, I'm not druidic. All right, I don't worship. Uh, 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 you, oh boy, I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> you can, can you feel my frustration? I'm not yeah, going to touch I, this I'm, either. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I mean, I think Christians get too religious. I think we get too far off the edge. I think that if that's the case, and then then we will go to work. We will go to work because everything at work is worldly. People are cursing at work, but you go to work and go get your paycheck. I mean, you have to discern what is it that you can you can take off the devil and put Jesus Christ on. You can't take the the, the October thirty first and dress it up and call it uh, harvest. That's not that's not of God. That's that's not of God. And then dress up your kids in costumes and 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 you put pumpkins on your door. And how many churches out there that I got pictures from? But having pumpkins all over the yard. I mean, really, you having a pumpkin sale? 
I mean, really? If we come down to that, man, we don't need pumpkins to bring people to church. The Holy Spirit draws people to church. If you're truly a pastor, if you're truly a person that follows the cross of Jesus Christ, man, God will fill up the church and bring people to the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm a living proof of that. Two things I share with you. I accept the Lord Jesus Christ. I got three books out now on spiritual warfare. And, and when the things I asked about, I asked God was, Lord, the same anointing you have put on Nikki Cruz, Lord, I want you to bless me the same way. Lord, the same way Nikki Cruz drove people from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord, you do the same. I don't need no magic. I don't need no show. I don't need nothing. I just need to obey the Holy Spirit and the people will come. And I'm going to give me a tree, by the way, so be happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, kind of switching gears here a little bit. We see so many, uh, we have, there's obviously division inside the Christian church and, and amongst Christians here in America. And one of those divisions comes along denominational lines. We have, you know, Catholics, you have Mormons, uh, uh, you know, Presbyterians, Protestants, all these different denominations. And I want to talk to you about, um, you know, we see the Catholicism. They have changed so much in, in recent years. Same things with Presbyterian. They're moving away from what we talked about earlier, conforming to the world. Um, what are some things that churches and people who are in some of these churches do to uh, get back to the basics, to get back to what the Scripture teaches and not change for the world? Do, do people have to go start a, a new church, just a regular non-denominational church? Or do you think that, uh, you know, some of these other denominations will ever turn it around? Well, I, I, I think, I think like, like, like you said, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Man, we need to get back to the basic. We need to get back to the foundation of the truth. I mean, Paul said, if you build, if you build another foundation and the foundation we got, then, 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 then you, 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 you're, you're laboring in, in vain. You're building the house in vain. We need to get back to the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm, I don't have, I mean, I, I mean you know, my ministry is called John Ramirez. Uh, ministries or John, or Evangelist John Ramirez or Minister John Ramirez or Reverend John. I mean, you know, I think the greatest, the greatest two titles you can ever have as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ is very simple. The best title you can have is either you're a volunteer or you're a servant. That's it. I mean, get back to the basic, get back to the Word of God. If it's not in the Word of God, then don't preach it. If it's not in the Word of God, then shut your mouth. You know, if it's not in the Word of God, don't make stuff up, man. If you don't know it, then you just go talk, man, go talk to the Holy Spirit, man. Get revelation. Get insight of what God wants you to say. Don't put words in God's mouth because God ain't going to put words in your mouth. And we need to get back to the truth because only the truth is only the truth that will set you free. Amen. And uh, I want to kind of expand on this. I want to uh, reintroduce you first, folks. Our guest is John Ramirez. His website, johnramirez.org. He has a, a book there that he authored titled Armed and Dangerous, The Ultimate Battle Plan. Uh, and I have not read the book, but it looks it looks very interesting. And then uh, the DVD, Unmasking the Devil. And in Unmasking the Devil, John Ramirez shares an insider view of how Satan operates so you can avoid his traps and learn how to, and then it goes through a number of different things. And there's uh, more there on his website if you go to the store tab, which uh, I would urge everybody to check that out. And uh, the book is available. Is that correct, John? The book's out now? Yeah, my, 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 the, the third book, I'm in Dangerous, came out September 5th this okay. year. I already got like 80, 84 reviews on Amazon. Uh, the book is basically to teach people. These, a lot of Christians, they stay on the defense side too long. You get beat up by the devil. We need we need to understand that we, we, we need to be in the offense. Offense win championships. Offense win victories. We need to know how to fight back. We need to put the devil in his place to know that he has no legal rights over our life. He has no authority because the person that lives in us is greater than the one that lives in the world. So we this book is teaching how 
to stand and fight back and take back the territory or take back the territory. I mean, I grew up in a ghetto. I grew up in the South Bronx. I, I grew up with guys that we didn't wait till any time. We'd go to your neighborhood and beat you up. Then I didn't know how serious you were. We didn't wait. We didn't wait for you, you know, go out to come to our neighborhood. We come to your neighborhood and beat you up. We need to go to the devil. We need to go to the devil's neighborhood, beat them up, and let them know we the Church of Jesus Christ. You picked the wrong person to mess with. And this is what the book is about. My second book, Unmasking the Devil. I, I said Roth endorsed my my second book, and my third book, Nikki Cruz endorsed my book. It's spiritual warfare. We need to understand there's a battle to fight. There's an enemy of our soul that's trying to cut into the race so we won't get to the finish line. Exactly. Don't take this the wrong way, but I wouldn't want to see coming at me, South Bronx or, or in the, the countryside. All right. <laughs> I'm a softy now. It's <laughs> yeah. easy. Okay. But, but, but see, taking the offense, what, what does that mean? Uh, for example, um, if the, things aren't going well in our life. Uh, for example, let's just say that. Or there's sickness or there's uh, uh, whatever it might be, financial trouble. I, I don't know. You know. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you how do you get rid of that and go on the offense? What, what, what do well, you do? What, one of the things we need to understand is your relationship with God first. I mean, without without the Lord Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit, we got nothing. So we need to understand that that is 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 how's my walk? First of all, when I get an attack comes into my life, how's my walk with the Lord? Am I having a prayer life? Am I bending the knee? Am I doing what God called me to do? Am I standing for Jesus Christ? Why my relationship every day is a daily relationship with God? Now, how why is the attack is here? Did I open the door unconsciously or consciously? I opened the door. Did I did I speak some negative? Did I spoke words that I don't supposed to speak because the devil's after your words? The devil knows that if you speak. 1821, the spirit of life and death lays in your tongue. If I spoke some things that gave the, devil, that gave the devil legal rights, then I need to know how to disarm that, how to renounce it, and how to get back the territory. And we need to be armed and dangerous. We need to be the watchmen on the wall, not wait for the devil to come bring it to us. We need to be ready to bring it to the enemy. So we we be three steps ahead of the enemy and know that we are on the front line and we're moving forward and we're pushing every anything that doesn't represent Jesus Christ. We pushing it out the way. Your book, Armed and Dangerous, will get into that, right? If I was to buy a book from you, that'll tell me how to do that. I'll give it to you for free. You let me know what you want me to send. But, but I mean, for for the audience, <laughs> for the yeah. audience, and yeah. absolutely. I mean, we 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 it teaches prayers. I mean, a lot of a lot of Christians don't know how to pray. A lot of Christians. I'm sorry to say this. I love my brother and sister. I, if you've been to my meetings, if you've been to uh, events or conference, I've been. People would testify. I I was in California the other day. And I, I was, I did an altar call the last seven hours. I was praying for people one on one. I mean, I had people manifesting. I had demons, people manifesting this side. I would run over there and the people manifesting in the back. I run over there and lay hands on them and casting out devils from every, every, every angle, casting out devil. When I was done and when everything was done and said, the, 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 the pastor took the time. He said the altar call lasted seven hours. Why? Because I'm a kind of person, I'm more determined in the devil. And when I'm in the ring, we're going to push. But I tell you right now, when the, when the party's over, I'm going to have the victory because I'm more determined than the enemy. And this book teaches you how to be more determined than the enemy, and it teaches you how to pray, pray spiritual warfare prayers. Because a lot of times we pray prayers, but they're general. You're not going to bring down no targets in the devil's camp with general prayers. If you ain't aiming your rifle, you ain't aiming your arsenal to the right location, you ain't never going to knock nothing down. You ain't going to make no damage. You ain't going to make no dent. And you're not going to break no stronghold. And you're not going to break any demonic or uproot anything that the devil had thrown at you. Wow. Okay. Um John, I'd like to go back to what we were talking about with the denominational religions, because I'd like to mm-hmm. get into something that I see uh, you focus on on your website, something called Santeria. Now, I've, we've seen things, you know, there, there's these denominations that are 
attempt to be Christian or label themselves as Christian. Uh, Mormons, for instance, they they follow a book that's not the Bible. And then no. the Santeria, this is a mixture of... of uh, Catholicism, Catholicism and African occult. It's a mixture of that. It comes back from the 1500s, back from the Judoa religion, where they used to practice witchcraft, voodoo. So what they did was when they, when the, when, when, when they were, when, when the slaves were brought over to Cuba, they left the secrets in Cuba. The whole, that whole occult, Santeria means worship of saints. That's what it really means, but it's worship of demons. So this whole voodoo, this whole Santeria stuff, uh, worshiping, uh, the marine spirits, spirits of the mountains. Spirits of the sky. These are the, they worship all these demonic forces and they bring it into the Catholic Church. And what happened was when they brought it into the Catholic Church in the 1500 uh, through slavery and all that stuff, what happened was that the slave masters wanted uh, the, 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 the slave uh, to convert them into Catholicism. So what they did was when they saw the saints that were in the Catholic Church, the statues, they, some statues had different colors, some statues had a spear. I mean, that's Pierre Saw. So they, they took this and they said, well, we'll make believe we're worshiping the Catholic saints, but we're worshiping the demonic forces that are, represent the colors and some things that uh, in the Catholic church that represent the demonic demons, and they mixed it up that way, and it became uh, Santeria. Santeria is a worship of saints, but it's worship of demons, really. Okay. Uh, and I, I kind of want to expand a little bit into the Catholic church. We've seen uh, – what's your view of the Catholic church in – uh, scripture from prophecy to uh, its beginning. It, uh, some people say it's you know the beast, it's the antichrist. Uh, there's so many different things out there, uh, theories out there that people like to use of the Catholic Church. What do you believe the Catholic Church is? Well, well I think the Catholic Church. You know, this is my heart. There's good Catholic people out there. They're mm-hmm. wonderful Catholic people that love Jesus Christ. They love Jesus Christ. They're genuine, but they've been they've been tricked. They've been lied to. They've been lied to by the high uh, high echelon. Of, of the Vatican. They've been lied to. They've been misled. You know, the Pope is a false prophet. We know that. And he's going to play a big role in the Antichrist situation. And the Antichrist, to me, in my opinion, my, the Antichrist is going to be Muslim because the only religion that like to chop heads off is a Muslim's religion. So the Antichrist, if you don't take the mark of the beast, he wants, he's going to chop your head off. And that's what the Bible says, that if you don't take the mark, you're going to be beheaded. So the only religion that beheads people is Muslim religion. That's what they do. And I don't, I don't, and Muslim is not a religion of peace. Come on. Let's, 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 let's take off the bell. Far from it. To truth be told, they're not. And, uh, Catholic Church, you know, I mean, come on. How are you going to have idols in the church? How are you going to worship, uh, light candles? How are you going to worship the Pope? I, mean, I, I tell you a story. When the worship Pope came Mary to New York City, worship Mary. How, how is it that you come, the, 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 the Pope came into New York City. I live in New York. And the Pope came into New York City. And they took the fat cats in, in Wall Street, and they told them, hey, we're going to promise you some box seats you know, when the Pope come into town. We want to collect some money to clean uh, St., uh, the church, which is on 50th and uh, 5th Avenue, St. Uh, the, uh, St. Patrick's Church. We want to clean it up and make it look nice so that for the Pope come in, he could be impressed. They, they, they collected $171 million to clean up the church. They didn't give these people box seats. They didn't even let them in. So, so, so it, 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 it's, it's the deception in the Catholic Church of you that worshiping Mary, worshiping saints, lighting candles, that you're not good enough to pray to Jesus Christ because Jesus don't hear your prayers. Uh, you have to go into, you have to walk into the little confession booths like, like you mighty mouse and, and, uh, and, and, and tell, and tell the next guy right next door your sins. Right? That brother is a bigger sinner than me. And I'm going to tell him my sin. Come on, let's get real to, let's, let's get to the Bible and let's get people to heaven and let's get people to know that you can have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need a Pope. 
you don't need a you don't need a priest. I have like like in in, in um you know Christian church Christian church. I love my pastor, but I don't need you to get to heaven. I don't need you to hold my prayers. I know how to pray. I know how to bend my knee. I know how to talk to God, and the Holy Spirit is my teacher. So we need to get back to that. And the Catholic Church has come under the spirit of deception, a delusion of spirit, a delirious spirit running and ramping in that religion. And you uh, lay this out in your book, Unmasking the Devil. Uh, you say some of the things that you learn how to do is discern between the voice of God that directs to victory and Satan's voice that leads to destruction. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get into this a little bit. Let's get into the discernment and you know our relationship with the Lord. We know, and you said it earlier, you know, constantly, uh, whether it's Satan through his, his demons or even other people, will always try to put things in your ears to get mm-hmm. you tempted. Um, and you know that it it happens so frequently uh, to all of us. We're, we're constantly tempted. How do we discern, you know, what what is of God and what is not that comes in our mind? Well, I I, I think I, I believe in my heart, and, and I came from I came from hell to church, right? Okay. I was so I was so dumb, I was so dumb in in, in a discipleship class when I first came to church. They put tabs in my Bible. I mean, I was like, they put tabs. Don't go to the book of Revelation. I was in Genesis. I mean, that's how I came from hell to church. I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I, I remember I opened up the Bible once at the devil worship. I think I read the first paragraph and I fell asleep. That's how bad it was. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't anything. It, 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 it's coming to a place to understanding. It's like if, if you marry, right? Or you're dating someone or, or, or you have family members, they call your house, right? And they try to disguise their voice on the phone, right? You go, come on, uh, Sandy. I know it's you. Come on, John. I know that's you talking. I can hear your voice. Why? Because you have, have a relationship with that person that that person cannot disguise the voice because you understand who the person is because you know the voice. So we need to come to we need to come to a place to build our relationship with God. The Bible said my sheep know me by my voice. What is your relationship with God? What what is entail your relationship? Is it a religious relationship, religious spirit? What is a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the devil comes as an angel of light. And and they have spirits out there which are familiar spirit that mimic the voice of God. They mimic the voice of God, and if you don't know the voice of Jesus Christ through a prayer life, through a relationship with God, talking to God. See, the devil can't pull the wool over my eyes. You see, because I know the voice of the enemy. I know the voice of every demon, principality, and I understand in my heart, I understand the voice of Jesus Christ. So when God tells me, turn right, I turn right. When God tells me to be still, I'm still. I know his voice. And the important thing is to discern one voice from the other. Because if you can discern the voice of your uncle, your daddy, your mama, you can discern those voices. Why can't you discern the voice of God? That's an excellent example, by the way, and I think everyone should really take heed and listen to this again. Listen to this interview more than once because of the great information. Um, all right. What about today, America today? Uh, John, you got to be looking out, looking over the landscape, the geopolitical landscape here in America and across the world. What are your thoughts as you see things um whether it's the what's going on inside washington inside the beltway or outside of the beltway what do you what do you see um well, i see grace okay. i see grace right now i mean god gave us donald trump right and i'm not saying the man is perfect but i did vote for donald trump and i believe that donald trump was handpicked by the lord jesus christ for primitive grace I mean, I mean, today we are talking about Jesus Christ in the White House. We're talking about Christmas in the White House. We're talking about uh, standing with Israel. 
in the White House. We, 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 and then we, the, God is, God is shaking up the cages in the White House. God is shaking up the cages in, in, in Washington, D.C. and bringing out all these people that got away with, uh, with sexual harassment. They got away with, with, with entitlement spirits up in there. They have entitlement spirits. They think, they think that the world owes them something. They think that they, demigods, you know, starting with all these politicians and the one that left from the White House, you know, I, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up with blacks and Puerto Ricans. I'm gonna tell you the way it is. I grew up with blacks and Puerto Ricans. I, I, I didn't see a Caucasian person into my late teenage years. I was like shocked when I saw one. So I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought it was just black and Puerto Rican. Neighbor. I grew up, so I can say anything about blacks because I grew up. I am black. I am Puerto Rican. So uh, people, uh, the situation with Obama in the White House, that was handpicked by the devil. God allowed it to happen, but it is. But we need to understand that we we living in a, mom, a moment of grace. A moment of grace. God has given us a moment of grace to get back to the cross, to get back to the things that matter, to get back to a place before judgment comes. And I believe God is setting judgment already, exposing all these people from Hollywood, all these child molesters, all these people that are being exposed from Hollywood. God is exposing. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till 2018. I'm going to tell you, 2018, you're going to see some things that are so supernatural that God's going to do that people are going to be dumbfounded. But it's going to be exposing the evil. And I believe in my heart that the guy in North Korea, his time is short because God has given him a time of grace to turn. If he doesn't turn, you're going to see what's going to happen in 2018 for North Korea because God is on the move and God hates sin. Did you say North Korea? Yeah. Okay. I believe in my heart that the guy in North Korea is going to be like Humpy Dumpy sat on the wall. He's coming down if he doesn't turn. Okay. That's uh, that, that's pretty fascinating. Um your book, Armed and Dangerous, you talk about breaking free from destructive patterns and replacing those patterns with godly ones. Can you uh, break that down a little bit and give some examples uh, for folks out there who may be struggling with this? Yeah, there's good brothers. I love my brothers and sisters. They're good brothers and sisters. I meet them all the time when I go when I go preach in many places. You know, I preach in Japan this year. I preach all over the states this year. I meet brothers and sisters that are genuine, love God, but they're struggling with stuff either generational, you know, curses. I mean, you can generational curses that they're struggling with. You know, my father was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. I can't. I love God, John. I can't stop drinking. What should I do? I mean, people that love God, they want to stop drinking. They just know how to, they need to know how to deal with the generation of curses in their life and break the patterns and cycle of that situation uproot. I got a high school diploma, so don't panic. But I pray and I broke the curse. My, my daughter got a bachelor's degree. So is it how you pray and break these things that are destroying your family and you need to uproot them because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And what happened is that the church has lied to people. The church have, the church at large has lied to believers saying, oh, once you save, everything falls off. No, you don't. I mean, the salvation brings you into the game. Salvation gets you saved to get you ready for heaven. But salvation doesn't mean everything falls off. There's things that have to be worked out. So there's things that you have to, you know, come to God and pray and break and dismantle and uproot out of your life, out of your family's life. You know, whether it's, uh, uh, generational sickness, uh, Either, you know, how people say, oh, my, I'm a Christian, my mother had cancer, my grandmother had cancer, now my sister got cancer. How that tra- how that transfer from one place to another? We need to know how to deal with these things and know how to pray these things off and know how to dismantle these, uh, these generation of curses or to think that we open doors to. These people, as many Christians, 80% of Christians right now are caught up in pornography. In porno- how, how do you kill that devil pornography? These Christians that I've spoken to on, either on the phone, in person, that, I mean, 80% of Christians right now, men and women, are caught, not much women, but men, are caught up with pornography issues in their life that are destroying their home, destroying their marriage, 
and destroying the relationship with God. How do you deal with that? You have to know how to confront the devil. Because many churches today, my brother, are talking about the devil, but no one is confronting the devil. You can talk to the, you can talk about the devil all day long up in church, but if you ain't confronting him and put him in his place, he's gonna get what he wants. Yeah, did you see last week the Pope uh, made a statement? Um, trying to think, it, it said something along the lines of uh, Pope urges uh, believers not to talk with the devil because he's much smarter than. Uh, mortal man, something along those lines. I, I found it kind of humorous. I mean, obviously he's right, but well, as you remember, the devil is smarter than the Pope any given day. But yeah. the devil ain't smarter than John Ramirez because I got the Holy Spirit <laughs> in me, and if I got the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit knows how to fight. He never lost a fight, so I don't fight on my own understanding. God has taught my hands to war in the spirit realm. Why would God, you know, I, I, what would God say about ex devil worshiper that deserve hell? When I went to hell, I should have stood in hell. God had the right. God had all. The God had the right. And he was just that he bring me back and save me so I could expose the kingdom of darkness and help the church. How to fight hey, spiritual hell, hell's, a, hell's a real place. You said you, you Yeah, stood. hell's a real place. You know, the amazing thing that it was October month. October month, I, that's the month that we prepare to do the most witchcraft to people. Mm-hmm. October month, that's the month of witchcraft. And the month of December, it's a month of witchcraft, by the way. So when Christians are in the mall shopping for extra large and T-shirts and pants and all that stuff, we're preparing to take over the region for the next year, ushering one principality out and bringing another principality in to keep to step, to, to, to be ahead of the game in the spiritual war, in the spiritual realm. So we we preparing in December. We're getting ingredients. We're getting recipe from demonic forces, how to take over the region. And we sitting down in demonic churches, uh, uh, infiltrating uh, how to how to penetrate to take over regions when the when the Christians are in the mall shopping for Christmas. You see, so so I understand all these things. So I'm not in the mall shopping. I I I I'm 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 getting ready to destroy and dismantle in Jesus' name every, to every region, north, south, and east, dismantle every witchcraft, vex, voodoo that's going on against the Church of Jesus Christ because I know how to fight. And my my thing today, it's when I went to hell, it's a real place. Hell has an address. I went, I was on a train that was going so fast. And Jezebel was on the train calling me trading demonic tongue because the devil speaks demonic tongue, by the way, because the devil copies everything from G- the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So he speaks in demonic tongues. So the devil, as, as, as I fell asleep, and it's, this asleep, it was that kind of seizure sleep I fell into. And before I fell into the sleep, I remember God was calling me because two weeks before that dream and that vision, I heard the voice of Jesus Christ for the first time in my life in 25 years. And that voice was, any, that voice was so different. It was, the only way I can describe that voice, if you stand by the brook and you hear the water flow and nothing around you is making noise, that voice had a peace within a peace in that voice. And he said, my son, I'm coming soon. What are you going to do with your life? And I remember I shook that, that vision. It was during the day. I shook it off. I thought the TV was talking to me. Uh, cause I came the, the night before I came from, uh, recruiting people from the dark side from one club to another club. I know how to open demonic doors on people by fortune telling. And so I make a long story short. I went, uh, October night. I was the first time I was depressed and oppressed because Jesus Christ was pulling me from one direction and the devil was pulling me from another. And then I had this backsliding girl invited me to church. I went, I got demon possessed, grabbed the pastor by the throat, threw him around like a rag doll. And then people jumped in to take my hands off he his throat because I was killing him. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it wasn't his. Uh, it, it was a. It wasn't a good Sunday for the pastor. Yeah. Let's put it this way. And you know what's the funny thing about it? You know what the amazing. You know what? Not funny, but I should say that. Take that back. But you know what's the sad thing about it? That the it took it took 15 men to get me off the pastor because I was demon possessed. No one knew how to rebuke. No one knew how to call on the Holy Spirit. 
No one knew how to take command over any demon. And it, it took the strength of 15 grown men to get my hands off the pastor's throat because he was turning purple. I mean, so, none so of that was going on. That had, see, it amazes me how that... Um, that the Christians could not recognize that, that demon, that that possession, that 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 uh, force multiplier of the demon there. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, okay, so uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be praying a whole whole lot. Uh, you know, uh, I've been I've been I've been to Saint Croix. I, I, I was in a meeting Saint Croix, and the witch from Saint Croix came to Saint Croix, and he came to Saint Croix. He said, "I came to Saint Croix. I come to destroy your meeting." And in the meeting, he came over to me. Right to the altar. He had the nerve to come up to the altar. Say, I came to destroy your meeting. I'm the witch of Saint Croix. I said, Really? You don't destroy my meeting? Let me ask you a question. Did you bring all the demonic tools that you need to bring? He said, What are you talking about? I said, Did you bring this, this, and then you bring all the demonic? Did you did, did you ask permission to the principality and this region? He said, I got everything I need. I said, You sure? Because I'm gonna be here for three days, so you can come back in case you don't have everything you need. And he said, What are you saying? I said, Because when I open up this can of whipping on you right now, I don't want you to say it was in a fair fight. Man, I lay hands on this guy. He fell backwards. I mean, it looked like someone, someone, blew, someone pushed him. He fell backwards. He turned. He he twisted like a pretzel. And people said, "People said, oh my God, he's gonna die." I said, "Well, pray for him." I said, "No, I let him let let him suffer for a while, so he understands Jesus is Lord." I prayed for like fifteen people. I came back, prayed for him. He got saved. And I didn't, you know, fifteen men wow. to bodyguard me. <laughs> I got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, this this is fascinating. I guess it's John Ramirez. Is a website johnramirez.org. It's uh, on the in the program description. Wow. Okay. It's in the Book of Acts. Yeah. Jesus ministry. Jesus ministry for the three years. All he did was cast out devil, heal people, and then he gave out a few hamburgers. I mean, Jesus had a, a feeding program once in a while, but most of the time, I mean, if you know the word, Jesus had a healing and deliverance ministry. That's what he did to, to his whole ministry. He healed people and he delivered people out of demonic forces. Okay. Wow. Okay, all right. Very interesting. We only got about 10 minutes left, John. Our guest is John Ramirez. His website, johnramirez.org. On the website there, there is a, uh, areas where you can go to contact him. He's also got a number of teachings there. There's video teachings. Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of things. You just bookmark the website and, and search, uh, search through there. Lots of awesome content. And, um, we only have about 10 minutes left, left with him. So, uh, any questions, Dad? Yeah, well, you know, you know what, John, to take us where you want to take us in the in the remaining ten minutes, because what you've got to say is so important. I, I don't want really. I, I I think at this point, anything we would ask or say would get in the way of your message. Just take it where the Holy Spirit leads you. You know, I, I, Brother Hagman, uh, thank you so much for having me on and, and and sharing the platform. You have an amazing platform. You have an amazing ministry. I love your spirit. You're not afraid of talking the truth. And you're not afraid of what people have to say because if you've been with God, who are they? You know, who are the naysayers? You know, we're not born, we're born to be eagles. We're not born to live in the chicken coop. You know, That's we're true. not born to live in the chicken coop. We, God calls us to be eagles, right? And, and, and why? The, 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 the thing that really gets me the most, here we are fighting about a Christmas tree. We fighting about a Christmas tree. We get all theologian on the Christmas tree, but we don't worry about my family's not saved. My mother's sick. We're not worried about, uh, am I going to a real Bible-believing church or I'm going to a sugar rush church? All they're doing is just, I'm I'm spiritually diabetic because of the sugar rush church that I'm going to that's not teaching the gospel. Paul said if they they don't teach, Paul says in the book of Galatians, if if they don't teach the gospel that we're teaching you, let them be cursed. I mean, are you sitting on the cursed ministry? 
Are you sitting on a church that you're not growing? The saddest book in the Bible, and I said, I repeat this a, a lot of time, is the book of Numbers, a, a generation, a, a group of people that started in one place. After 40 years, they were in the same place, stuck in the same place. I mean, they grew old, but they didn't grow up spiritually. And that's what's going on with the church of Jesus right today, the church at large. Thank God in our churches that they're growing, they're growing old, but they're not growing spiritually. So we're going to have a debate about a tree when my mom's not saved, my brother's not saved, my other brother's a homosexual, my other brother is on drugs, and I'm going to fight about a Christmas tree, really. I think that we need to get back to the real Bible, to the real Jesus. I mean, not the phone, not, not, the, not the fabricated Jesus that people fabricated in their minds so they can, they can, uh, they, you know, the whole hyper grace movement and this whole, uh, gimme, give gimme, give my name is Jimmy, call it by faith, whatever crap they teach on TV. But we need to get back to the truth of Jesus Christ so we can live the life that God has for us because we are the end time church and God's coming back for us. And if we knew, it's sad to say that the, 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 the saints of old had less to work with and they made it. They didn't have a Bible. They had less to work with. There was no CD. There was no DVD. There was no TV program. There was no precious programs like the one we have now that I'm on now. But they had less to work with, and they finished the race. And we got people. The Book of Hebrews said that we have a cloud of witness in heaven, cheers, cheers, cheering us on to the balcony of eternity. And we are fighting over Christmas. We're fighting over things that don't matter. Wow. What matter is, are you saved? Matter is, are you going to heaven? Do you have a real relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Did you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in righteousness? Are you walking in truth? That's what matters. That's what God died for. So you can have, God ain't worried about if you got a tree in your house or not. God worried about, God, God's worried about your purpose and your destiny. God invested in you. God wants a good return. Either you're the man with the two talent, five talent, but God invested in you and God gave you gifts and God gives you a divine appointment. God gave you a divine time on the earth, right? Because if Jeremiah says, Jeremiah said that before I formed you, I knew you. That means you had a meeting with God in eternity past, and he gave you a birthday and sent you at the time to complete a mission. And sad to say, there's many Christians out there that are dying before their time, many weak Christians out there. It's sad to say, my brother and sister, who I love all my heart, one thing I told God when I got saved, because I had such a hate for the church, I wanted to destroy the church like Paul, and I had such a hatred for Christians, because every time I met one, they used to, they used to tell me how, how better they were than me. And that gave me such a hate for the church and, and a hate for Christians because they thought they were better than me. And that came from a broken home, from a broken family, from a drunk dad that beat my mother. My dad got shot in the face at the age of 33 for a woman that wasn't even his when he had a good wife home. We lived in the project. We had government cheese. We dressed with the same clothes for three years, four years in a row to go to school. We were the laughing stock. We were bullying school. And Jesus was nowhere to be found. So I hated God because of those things. And, but God had mercy on me in 1999. It took him to take me to hell because there were no real Christians out there to minister to me because they had no power. And Jesus Christ took me to hell, brought me back, saved, sanctified me, put me in the baptism pool. And all the ceremonies, the demonic ceremonies from the age of eight to the age of 35, the Lord Jesus Christ ripped them out of my body when I went into the baptism pool. I saw these big hands went into the baptism pool, removed everything off my body. And when I came out that pool, I was a new creation. Yes, I had to fight. Yes, I had to deal with, with residue in my life. But today, I stand for Jesus Christ and for the Word of God and for the true Bible. And I'm here to help brothers and sisters to fight the good fight of faith because we need each other. I love the church. I love, but I, I can't stand the Charlotte and the fake preachers and these pimps 
that are lying to the people, that they should tell the truth or step to the side. Because you are, all you're doing is trying to gain the money off the people, but you're not standing for the truth of Jesus Christ. And my life is to stand for Jesus Christ because when I get to heaven, I have to give an account. And my last thing I say, two things is going to happen, Brother Hagman, when I die. Hell will rejoice because I left the battlefield. And I closed my eyes and I made Jesus Christ proud. Amen. Amen. John, I want to ask you this, as I'd like to ask this of all uh, specifically pastors, but anybody who comes on as an author in, in the world of uh, religion or prophecy, do you believe that we are in the, the very last days, like a tribulation could start sometime between now and the next 60 years? Well, I, I, yeah, I think, I think we're in the birth pains of the last days. I mean, this is, I mean, the, the stuff that is ramping out there, the stuff that's going behind the scenes, the things that got exposing, the, the, the circumstances, the, 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 the church at large is sick. We need to get back to the book of Acts to be that kind of church. Yes, we're in the last days. I mean, read the times of the science that's going on. If you know your word, you, we know we're in the last day. I mean, the stuff that's going on, we make Saddam and Gomorrah look like kindergarten. I mean, stuff that's going on. I mean, it's just, I mean, there was a, there was a, there was a thing here. A Hollywood guy said that he went to someone's house. The guy had two babies in his fridge because he was drinking the blood. I mean, the satanic, demonic activities going on from Hollywood, from, from Hollywood to Washington, D.C. and on beyond the, around the borders. And then some, all these things that are happening. Come on. We in the last days. I mean, the church is drunk over stupidity and we need to wake up. It's wake up. The, 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 and it's sad to say, the Catholic Church is dead. You know, they're yeah. dead. Good people in the Catholic Church. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. Stop praying to Mary. It ain't going to work. Stop using your rosary. It ain't going to work. And stop going to the Father because he ain't going to cover your sins. You need to go back to your Bible and start reading the book of John and give to the truth and let God reveal the truth to you and he will set you free. We need to put Jesus first in everything that we do. You know, a lot, you hear a lot of people, Brother Hagman, well, I can't wait to 2018. I can't wait to, I mean, brother, the year don't have to change. You need to change. Forget the year. Because you, the year to change, yeah. you can still be the same. <laughs> Come on. Let's do this. Let's be real. Let's be real with God. God is looking for real people with real stories. Absolutely. Because those are the people that he's going to use. People out of the box. The people not afraid to talk. People that want to share the truth. I'd rather people be mad at me on your show today, but I'd rather you make heaven and be mad at me. I'm okay there with go. that. There you go. And John, if I can ask this, would you agree to come back? Uh, we've gotten such a tremendous email response from your presence and from, from your, just from your, uh, words of encouragement, your information and inspiration. We'd love to have you back. Would you agree to come back some, at some point? My brother, I come back and share the battlefield with you. You're a man of God. I see your armor right now. You got dents in your armor. That means you're a warrior for Christ. Amen. So I love it. <laughs> okay. All right, my brother. Yeah. A few dents. A few dings. It's good news. The good news. That's good news, though. That's good news. That's right. I mean, in the spare round, I can see you've been in battle. I've seen you have your scars, and you're going to say like what Paul say. I bear the mark of Jesus. Don't mess with me. Amen. Amen. John Ramirez Ministries. Wow. JohnRamirez.org. Bookmark the website. Go there. Check out his books. Check out the teachings. And uh, there's contact uh, information there if you want if I have a question or what you want to get in touch with them and uh, just a, a fantastic man of wow. God Absolutely. and uh, awesome interview and definitely want to have him back John thank you so very much for your thank for your you time. so much Merry Christmas Merry Christmas and a blessed and happy new year Amen right. in Jesus name right. Amen thank Amen. you God bless you bye bye thank God you bless so you. very much thank you so much my friend wow John Ramirez, uh, what a what a tremendous man of God and uh, awesome way to close out the show. Yeah, yeah. So I look like my my old seventy one Ford Pinto, basically. Yeah.
Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, just real quick in the last minute here before we, before we take off. Uh, oh, one, I had a question for John that slipped my mind. Email on that. Um, the, uh, Dad, I don't know if you saw this. Government admits studies UFOs. Yeah, I uh, saw that. And, and there's a whole, the, did you see the video that came out from, uh, the Navy? <sighs> the fighter pilots, uh, videotaped their encounter with this UFO thing. I've, I'm fascinated by UFOs. I've been, you know, watching, paying attention to them for, for decades. So I love to, to get into stuff like this. Well, but, what, what does it stand for? Unidentified flying, flying object. object. Right. Unidentified. Who knows what it is? How, however, I mean, it, it, I, here, here's my view. It's either one of two things. It's either a secret military aircraft or, you know, something or material it, made here on Earth or it's, it's multi, or interdimensional. Interdimensional. Yeah. Yeah. And then also yeah. the, uh, today the Washington Post says, Mueller investigation may take at least another year. My goodness, I don't think that's going to be the case. I heard last week that you know it could be wrapped up in a matter of weeks, maybe a month tops. Now look, they're saying look, another year. Here's what I believe, real quick. They're gonna they're gonna go until they find something impeachable or criminal. They're going they're they're gonna either their objective, the deep state, permanent state, the. Um, the uh, uh, national security state uh, is going to go after Donald Trump until they find something that they can impeach him on or file criminal action on. Now, we can stop that, and, and we can we can prevent that. We have to fight against that, because taking him down is taking all of us down. Just saying. And it would cause a civil war. And, yes, and, and I think Paul that's said earlier. Well, that was a, a fantastic and show. And Randall Terry as well. Randall yeah. Terry. Make sure you, make sure you go hour to Hagman Report. Paul McGuire, Hour 2, yep. Randall Terry, Hour 3, John Ramirez. Go to Hagman Report. Click on what would Muhammad do, uh, Randall Terry. Let me get that, give that phone number out again. 904-826-9989. That's 904-826-9989. That's for Randall Terry, what would Muhammad do. You also get a free, uh, DVD about Norma McCorvey. Um, uh, Cold Day in Hell, I believe, is the documentary. And now I'll give out my father's phone number, so you can call him tonight. Call at... me tonight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. That'll do it for us tonight. We are, that, right? we are out of time. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, Have a great tomorrow night. Tomorrow, 9 for me and uh, two. 2 for Joe and John. And then, of course, 7 o'clock.